but I'll give you something to fix. Oh, Jesus, man, what the hell? Here! What are you... Hey, Charlie! Come on, please, man! Charlie, we got a goddamn nut here! You! Yeah, do you remember that time Cody Minogue saved the robbers? Yeah, man, that was brilliant. Can't wait to talk about that, actually. On a related note, do you remember that time somebody decided to detonate a nuclear weapon at a robbers game? Fucking hand cannon. <laughs> army, army fucking cannon. Uh, ridiculous. Yes, and uh, of course, our wonderful sponsors, Ocean Electrical. Um, if you don't want your house to look like Waterford last Friday night, <laughs> then... Or Ocean Electrical. Because they will never ever let you in and anything blow up in your house. Yeah. And uh that's the credit. Whenever you need some extra money and you need to stay in hospital overnight in Waterford, it's less credit. They got you back. So this week we're gonna talk about our trip to Waterford and look ahead at the Daily Mount Derby. Big one. No fans, the lockout. And there's interviews with Bernie Cutter and Tony Grant, who controversially joined our rivals. In 20, 2004, and he has never been forgiven since. Interesting to see what people think of this one, Prof. Yeah, when we when we finished recording, Tony himself, at least he had a sense of humor about it. He said, "He said, what is this?" I said, "It's a Shamrock Rovers podcast." And he says, "No one's going to tune in when they hear Tony Grant." <laughs> at least, uh, I think it'll give people some clarity onto why he actually left. You know, it's kind of obvious after me listening to it, anyway. Yeah, like you said, it provoked discussion. I'm sure a lot of people have made up their minds and will just hate it either way. I think others might find it, like you say, possibly a bit of clarity, but uh, 
as people will notice, we're on bloody Zoom again because uh, this podcast has more COVID issues than football clubs. I know. Yeah. Only two it's of crazy. us. I'm not, I'm not feeling great at the minute, so we're taking a precaution. Taking a precaution just to make sure we're all healthy. But yeah, no, I've been, I've been in bits the last few days. No, I don't. I don't think it's. Not, it doesn't feel. I don't know what COVID feels like, but it was very similar to your symptoms. Last time, and you when you were reading them out to me, it was fucking. It's nailed on what I have here. So, yeah, um, we'll see what happens. Anyway, it feels like more of a head call or anything like that. But just not taking a risk. I think I want. I'm looking towards the Player of the Year awards as well. You know, so if something is the case, I've what? What are we now? Of 17 days, I should be okay. Do you know what I mean? You'd be back before then, either way. Yeah, I'd be back before then. Yeah, but a big congrats to Owen McDermott. They made out the Irish Times. What hot list? That's that's nuts. That's like a tough thing to do. Yeah, I mean, pretty bright. Like I, I, I didn't see. I just saw a picture of it. So, but they look like they're in some impressive company there. Yeah, like I mean, that's like highbrow central. Yeah. So they are deep. They are deemed hot for this week. Gentlemen, this magazine just came out with its what's hot and what's not issue. Are we hot? We are not. So are you gonna? Are you gonna? Is this uh, the true crime section? Chapter 4 Southern Blood January 15th, 2005 Garda Eamon Lord was in his patrol vehicle on Dublin's Parnell Square when he saw the car speeding straight towards him. Quickly putting his car into reverse, Lord managed to swerve out of danger just seconds before the oncoming Navy Volkswagen raced past his window. He escaped the collision by less than one foot. The Volkswagen had raced through a red light at the top of O'Connell Street and had continued up Parnell Square north at high speed. It was 3.45am and the last of Dublin's late night revellers were still on the streets. As Garda Lord chased the vehicle at speeds of up to 80 miles per hour up North Frederick Street and Denmark Street, the Volkswagen almost caused several accidents. Breaking a set of lights at the corner of Mountjoy Square West, the car forced two pedestrians to jump from the street onto the footpath in order to avoid certain death. Turning onto Mountjoy Square West, the car broke another set of red lights before the driver lost control. The car skidded across two lanes of traffic and onto the footpath where it smashed into a tree. Several cars had to swerve to avoid the Volkswagen as it plunged recklessly towards the tree. Not only had pedestrians and other drivers avoided injury, miraculously, the three occupants of the Volkswagen also managed to emerge from the wreckage with no major injuries. As Garda Lord arrested the male driver and two female passengers, it seemed like little more than a case of joyriding, albeit one that had almost fatal consequences. Garda Lord could not have known it yet, but he had just arrested one of Ireland's most infamous hoods. The driver of the Navy Volkswagen, Liam Keane, was a young man with a reputation, a violent thug who, just two years earlier, had walked free from one of Ireland's highest profile murder trials. Keane had been drinking heavily on the night in question and later pleaded guilty to reckless endangerment, driving without insurance and driving over the legal alcohol limit. In January 2006, precisely one year after the incident, he was jailed for 18 months. For Liam Keane, 
the sentence was little more than a notch on the CV of one of Ireland's most infamous young hoodlums. So that's uh, Owen's, Owen's true crime uh, snippet, <laughs> snippet, we could say. How confused it's were gonna... people right there? They probably, probably were like, oh shit, Spotify must have shuffled onto a true crime podcast. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like it's, it's a. Uh, like I'm actually gonna, I'm actually gonna get it out of you and read it. Or considering you got the last copy that ever exists in the whole world. <laughs> so just for people who didn't hear hear last week, this is homicide, murder is a manslaughter in 21st century Ireland by John Burke and our own Owen Rice. He's gonna be so so happy that we're reading this out on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> right, so that's the true crime segment, and we're gonna move on to Oidmo. Oidmo's a, a he's a a very mature young man, isn't he? Certainly is. Like we said last week, a wise head on, on young shoulders. Yeah, he has the head screwed on. Fair play to him. Uh, re- really uh, interesting interview, and went down the tree. Seems to be of a similar temperament to Gavin Bazunu, you know, that sort of way. Yeah. Just determined to succeed and taking all the advice on board. Very interesting stuff as well, talking about his younger years, talking about being the best and then falling off and then coming back again, which it can be the case. I mean, some some players can be seen as like the next big thing and then they just fall, fall off completely. Yeah, players outgrew him at the age of 13, 14 and the... Uh, he was disheartened by that, but he came back, thankfully. And uh, I think a school principal might have tuned into the podcast, Gary, because she liked that tweet. Oh, yes, there we go. There you go. Right, so next up, Prof, we've uh, Scott Kirwan. We're going to read out his tweets. He said, hey, East Stand Pod, thanks for the acknowledgement. Lads, just to answer your queries, a lot of the old ones are now blurry in the memory. From what I can remember, you were concerned about our form rather than critical of Bradley, which is 100% the truth. It was always interesting to hear a lot of your thoughts on everything that was happening at the club at the given moment. Great to have the advantage of listening in the hindsight. Listening to you grow the show, behemoth, and the growth of Gary Parsons, the meteor. Did a lot of walking during the post-Christmas as the restrictions lifted. I started listening on the bus in the gym and even doing the household chores. Ironically, what put me off originally was the amount of episodes I'd missed. Lockdown gave me the chance to catch up. Huge fan now. Keep up the good work. So um, that's an insane amount of episodes to get through. And yeah, I've I've grown fabulously into the horror that I am. <laughs> You're a behemoth. A, uh, yeah, a behemoth. But um, yeah, no, great stuff. Great stuff yeah. to hear from Scott. Thanks again, Scott. Um, that that's unbelievable dedication to go through that many episodes since mm. what was it, Christmas? Crazy man, crazy man. But another avid listener, Pico Lopez. He said, "Gar, I was listening to the podcast yesterday. Great episode. But there's a couple of things I need brought to your attention." I was thinking to myself, bollocks, I'm in trouble here. <laughs> and then he said, if Moya wants a photo together, we can arrange this as I feel, ba- I feel bad for missing after Finn Harps. Zinedine McCann, number two, is my new favourite nickname. And three, don't eat steak off my plate. So <laughs> just, just, to, just to recap, I said that he'd be so nice that you could, uh, I could, you could eat some food off his plate and he wouldn't mind. And then he went on and he, he, he kind of hammered at home and he goes, by the way, don't ever take food off me," he said. "Things will go sour." I was so like, you "Okay." Found, <laughs> so you found the one thing that Pigo will not remain one hundred percent nice and positive about. That's if you take food off his plate. We actually discovered it. <laughs> yeah, there we go. But he was like, "Yeah, don't fuck with me and my food." <laughs> <laughs> so great that Pigo's listening. Anyway, some players are getting an insight into into how we feel. 
and we'd feel him. He said, B.I. Billy Dennehy is indeed a song. It's called She Be Coming Round the Mountain. No way. Is that it? She be coming around the mountain when she comes. Be up. Oh, it is. Yes. Yeah, yeah. There you go. And a couple, of people, a couple of people said to us that it was also for Billy Woods. That was B.I. Billy Billy Woods. And uh, Neve, Neve on Facebook messages and said, that song's stuck in her head now. It is. It's one of them that gets buried in your <laughs> psyche, isn't it? Yeah, so you're welcome for that, Neve. I have Kylie stuck in my head now all week and work. It's, <laughs> it's probably, brilliant, isn't it, though? Probably going to go on my playlist at this stage. Imagine I'd said that a week ago. Kylie Minogue can't get you out of my head. Yeah. Brilliant, brilliant moments. We talked about it too. But yeah, these are shorts. These are T-shirts are finally arriving. Bundles and stickers and badges and everything. So very, very happy to get these out and finally get it done. Um, I have to say I'm extremely happy with the quality of these t-shirts they came out really really well and making sure everybody wears them to the player of the year awards if you have a ticket wear your tifties tee please yeah, very very cool yeah you you dropped mine into me uh what was it before the water game they, they, they look class love the stickers as well they're deadly the stickers with the biz aren't they uh even Chelsea has, has himself a shirt Chelsea's after we're our number one fan Chelsea's after nabbing himself a shirt so very, very happy with that. And don't forget, put them all over your socials, please. If you have stickers, if you have T-shirts, put them on your social media. Put them on IG, put them on Twitter, and tag us. Yeah, so Prof, up next, we have the main man. We really, really like him. Barry Cutter. Okay, we have one of Robert's newest signings in the show now, someone who's made an immediate impact since coming into the squad. Uh, and he had the league winners medal to prove it soon enough. Uh, it's Barry Cutter. Welcome to the podcast, Barry. Thank you very much. So no better place to start than uh, last week. Uh, Robert sealed their 19th ta- pointing title in Tata. So you must be disappointed not to play the game itself. But did you pick up a knock recently? And what was it like watching from the stands? Yeah, so I um, I picked up a little strain in training that was meant to leave us out for, what, two to three weeks. But then it set, I got set back then last Monday another week or so so hopefully hopefully no more than a week now left in it but um, yeah watching from the stands is just unbelievable to be a part of like the boys the group is honestly like they're just such good men as well as obviously footballers and uh, yeah it's just uh, it's it's even so hard to even explain it like you're speechless like it's my first senior medal as well and to do it with a club like Rovers is couldn't ask for any more. Yeah, describe that real carnival atmosphere in the ground and then celebrating the win with your teammates as you look down at the fans after that massive pitch invasion. How good did that feel? Oh, it's the way we do it, isn't it? It's like there's no there's no how good does it feel or what does it feel like. It's just, there's nothing that describes that feeling. like, And that's why we put in the work we did and like the boys have grafted throughout the whole season. Obviously, I had a late appearance, but obviously try to work as hard as I could when I did come. And what are you looking forward now to getting the medal around your neck and lifting that trophy uh, next week? Yeah, yeah, that's gonna be that's gonna be something special, especially to do it at our home in Tala in front of the fans. So yeah, I can't wait. Like you say, you haven't been here that long, but. Um... From what you've seen so far, do you do you see a hunger in that dressing room now to go on and make it three in a row and keep winning more and more trophies? 
to be honest, I walked into that dressing room and say it took me a week. And I was like, we have a full team of winners. Like even in trainings, you come to rondos, you come to the small side of games. No one wants to lose. No one wants to lose. Like we're all here to win and win as much as we can. And I feel like it's showing. And what, what players are you living with and what teammates in particular have you you bonded with so far? I'm actually in the I'm in the I'm in the I'm in the house now with uh, Lee Grace and uh, Leon uh, Gaffney Gaffney went home earlier, um, but yeah, I won't be surprised when we walk through here. Not only in the kitchen, but uh, <laughs> to be honest, I can't say I'm closer to either either or. Like every single one of them have made the effort with me, and it's, I've settled like snow because of them. Like they've they're like I could have any conversation with any one of them, even throughout the staff. It's unreal. I say Leon is buzzing, is he, after making his league debut? Oh, he came home like a kid on Christmas. You should have seen him. <laughs> I never seen a skip. I never seen that man skip up the stairs like he did that that night. Oh, he's he's delighted. Is he as loud? Eager in, he is to get more. Is he as loud in the house as he is screaming from the touchline? Oh my, yeah, yeah. I'm just gonna leave it at that. Yeah, he is. He is definitely. He's definitely a character around the gap. <laughs> Just kind of remind them back a bit. You you were released by Ipswich in March this year. Mate McCarthy had brought you over from Limerick, um, but he ended up resigning shortly after handing you a debut. So you spent three seasons at Ipswich with a couple of loan spells. How do you kind of reflect on that on those three years? Oh, for just grateful. Honestly, it wasn't. A, it wasn't. A, I'm not grateful for my progression because I didn't progress much. But um, the things that I I learned. Um, throughout that that um, that phase, that Ipswich phase, um, on and off the pitch, um, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be able to say I'd be the man I am today without it. And um, yeah, very grateful, very grateful. I got some of the some of the harshest lessons in football early as possible. So now I know I now I know of, like my mentality is not a question, my hunger is not a question. Like I'm just eager to see what's next for me. So you were 22 then. When did you start thinking about coming back home? And were you aware that you were on Robert's radar? When did you first speak to the club? Um, to be honest, it was a lot done through my um, my agent, my agent, Glenn Corcoran for Code for Sports. Um, me and him have a great relationship with him since I don't know how long, since I really signed pro at Limerick, to be honest. And uh, yeah, no, he, I, I have my full trust in him everything i wasn't really happy in the uk with my life or anything like that so i wanted to come come to a place we, like both of us wanted to go to a place where i could be um just to find find a place where i can enjoy football and i'm a sore loser so there's nothing better to join a group of winners did you watch Rawers european games against sloven shoot the floor did you like what you saw the way you played football um to be honest, I only caught the highlights. Now I didn't watch any of them live, but um, yeah, football inside. But I, I, I don't think anybody can argue that we're not the best football inside in the country. So that says something. So when you joined Robbers, we were kind of in the middle of an injury and suspension crisis, weren't we? Liam Scales had just gone to Celtic. Yeah, I, I believe you only fully trained with your t- new teammates the day before your debut against Harps and Donegal. 
Yeah, that's right, actually. So I, I was um, doing some runs on Tuesday with Glenn and um, the gaffer and Max Murphy, in fact. And then the, uh, the club, they weren't in on the Wednesday. And then I actually met the, all the all the boys Thursday the morning before. And then uh, straight in the following yeah. day. Unfortunate result, but um, yeah, it's good. I enjoyed it at least. And the fans have really taken to you, like you're—they know, they feel that you're really composing the ball, and they like the way you love to take on players. Uh, is that a big part of your game? And how have you found your position of left wing back, even though you're you're right footed? Obviously, I would prefer a right wing back, but I, I trust in the gaffer and whatever team he puts out there. We have to trust that that team is going to win him the game and the club the game, and for the fans and for ourselves more importantly. Um, but yeah, I feel like my athleticism is probably my biggest trait. Um, I don't feel like a lot of people can or will keep up with me if I do get going. So yeah, I definitely do enjoy um, taking people on when I can. But you don't always trust your left foot, isn't that right? Hence that uh, Rabona cross in Dundalk. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, the, the Rabona. Yeah, the, too fair. Was a, I've done it so, so many times in Ipswich, so it's like, if I'm not set to actually swing it with my left foot, I'll actually just flick it with me right. So it's more that that Rabona, yeah, it's more of a habit. But yeah, uh, I feel like the Rabona would have put a better cross in than, than me left peg for that scenario anyway. You were nominated for the League Player of the Month for September and then you won the Rovers Club Player of the Month uh, for that month as well. Uh, and that was all capped off with that dramatic late win at Pats. So it, it was some start to life at Rovers for you. Yeah, like I said, every single every, everybody's made it just so easy for me just to go and literally do what I'm told. So, like, to be honest, I, I'm just so grateful, so grateful for the staff and the players, even the lads I'm living with now. Like, they're just straight away, I'm underneath their wing, like, and uh, yeah, it's just uh, I'm 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 in a good place. And that past game I mentioned, you you got the man the match award. Uh, Richmond Park and Tony O'Donoghue who was interviewing after the game he brought up your, your mum Harriet who said that uh, she's watching my son play for Shamakar as an RTE and I'm a bit proud uh, she probably meant very proud didn't she? Nah that's just me man she's 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 uh, she's she's uh, she's golden she is um, yeah a bit proud so she is she's a very sarcastic character if you if you couldn't tell by that but uh yeah, she's 100% my hero. I look up to her throughout my whole life. And yeah, to be honest, I wouldn't be where I am today without her. And you said in an interview with the, with the programme recently that uh, you were disappointed with your own performance after the defeat in Dundalk. But we were hearing that the players kind of picked you up again really quickly and the fans got behind you as well. Because the following week against Sligo, when you were subbed off, you got that big ovation in front of the East and the South Stand. You seemed a bit kind of uh, overwhelmed by it, were you? Yeah, I, I just—it's just the sound and then the chills. You know, you walk up. I, I obviously I was halfway across the pitch, and then the and the, the referee told me turn around. I'm like, I'm halfway. Why would I turn around now? Like I'm halfway across the pitch. He's like, turn around. It's like right, that doesn't make sense, anyways. But then I, I seen, and then I just I seen. I started clapping that side. And they all stood up. I'm thinking, oh my, these are unbelievable. And then I come across the or the main stand and I'm clapping. I mean, the sound that came from that, I yeah, I was 100% overwhelmed. Like they were, 
they were they are unreal. Like you seen it last Friday and the, the Friday before, they're they're class. Yeah, the display for the title winning nights and the the pyro and everything, it was something else, wasn't it? <laughs> it's unreal. They're they're unreal, honestly. We say it after every game as well, like just my God, like how can you top that? Like they outdo themselves every week. And only three games into your, your Robbers career, uh, the Robbers fans had already made up a song for you and they were singing for the whole 90 minutes in the showgrounds. Do you remember first hearing the song? Um, which was it? Well, I don't want to sing it, but just it's your name. It's, it's, like, over again. it's like, it's like we really, we really, really like you. That yeah. one, that's the one, yeah. Yeah, 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 that's it. No, I didn't mean to sing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, it's so funny because I see that. Uh, the, so we, where do we come back from? I'm not sure where, where which away game we came back from, but the, they, the fans bus came back the same time, and um, that's when I first heard it. Like on the way, so we we obviously got off the bus at Tala, and then we were getting in the cars to go back to the come back come back to here to the gaff like, and then uh, the the fans started singing it then, and that's the first time I heard. It. I was in bits laughing. <laughs> Is that the first song you know of that's been uh, penned dedicated to you? And um, there was a there was, there's a there was one from Limerick and there was one from Ipswich as well. To be fair, but uh, no, nah, this is my favourite one for sure. It's funny. <laughs> uh, speaking of Limerick, when you first signed in um, 2015, you kind of you went viral there for like a couple of days because you were compared to, oh, to Neymar. This you were called <laughs> a Neymar lookalike, and all these articles were being written about you. <laughs> what was your reaction to that? I just like genuinely, I just thought it was banter, like. Just it was actually, I just thought it was funny. Like I just got a giggle out of it. Um, didn't really think anything of it. Didn't really think it was gonna do anything. I just thought it was just funny. Like um, I literally took it how it was. You know what I mean? It was just I had the same haircut as someone famous, and it just kind of took off. You know, you know, the internet talks about literally anything they can get a hold of. So I didn't, I didn't pass any heat from it. What did your Limerick teammates think of it? Were they, did they think it was funny as well? No, I didn't get out. Oh, absolute earful every day, <laughs> every single day. And sometimes, no, I'd say it stopped now. I'd say up to the last year or so. I'd say last, oh, only up until the last year or two, I used to get it like like every new haircut. Oh, name it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, that's died down, thankfully. And uh, your old teammate, actually, uh, Ben, your old pal and teammate, he got his first goal for, for Ireland recently in Azerbaijan. So were you happy to see that? What a player, what a man he is. Yeah, no, he, um, oh, I really enjoyed playing with him in Limerick as well. And like, you see like more behind the closed door stuff. And um, obviously we were quite similar growing up, like wouldn't say late developers, but we had a lot to learn ourselves. So I can personally vouch for it. Chio that um, he he puts in he has and will continue to be one of the hardest workers around him if not the hardest uh, we interviewed young Idemo Maku there uh, a few days ago and we were doing a bit of research on you. him yeah and uh, <laughs> you, we were doing a bit of research into what kind of music he was into he likes uh, Lil Baby Polo G Drake but uh, Barry in terms of your music we uh, we know you come from a big trad family back home in Ennis, so has that <laughs> has that influenced your musical tastes? 
not too much now. Like I, I can, I can listen to like what my ma will play. Like um, me ma is a big um, Van Morrison fan, so I, I, I am, I am educated along those lines as well. But no, I'd be, I'd be more along the lines of Idemo as well. I'm saying kind of music is that now. They're well established in Ennis, aren't they? As a as a trad band. So um, family. My family. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They have a few gigs. All right. To be fair, um, uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure as much anymore. But um, yeah, no, they love it. They absolutely love it. Very proud. Very proud people there. <laughs> so just finally, in terms of like your contract situation, are you are you staying with us next season and hopefully beyond? And are you happy to? Uh, Keep playing for Rovers. Well, obviously, you know, I only signed till the till the end of the season, but I don't really want to leave. So I think um I think there is my agent is come in conversation with them, but um that's not for me to talk about really. Do you know what I mean? That's why I play the football, he does everything off the pitch. <laughs> it was nice to meet you. I know you're under the weather, so I appreciate you taking the time, Barry. And uh hopefully oh, we'll see you again next season. Yeah, look forward to it. Yeah, so Barry's settling into the team really well. He's um, he's he's very very he's not he's not hard to please, is he? I mean, he's this is his first time kind of playing senior football. Like he said, it was his first medal in senior football as well. And everybody's a winner. Everybody's setting him well into that team. It's just he's just really settled in well, hasn't he? Yeah, he has, and he he's loving the interaction with the fans. Like I said, he was overwhelmed by the the fans in Tala when he was subbed off against Sligo he said it was unbelievable and he was massively impressed with the pyro display and everything so he just seems to be loving life in Tala yeah the referees and that's why the ref the refs are a little bit odd like that sometimes because they'll shoo you towards wherever the the, the touchline is closest to get you off the pitch quicker so it kind of worked in our favour yeah and I also asked him about his contract situation he's, he's he seems unsure he's kind of uh, left in his, his agent's hands but like, we'd love to see him stay wouldn't we yeah definitely yeah great asset to the team Dan McDonald so, said on Twitter I think it was on the day of the Waterford game that Gary O'Neill Finner Ferrugia have all agreed deals so very happy with that if that's the case not sure who's left to like who's unsure I suppose uh, Joey's kind of up in the air at the moment but yeah other than that, and Cotter, it seems like nearly everyone in the squad is, is going to stay on. But I don't know Max Murphy, Nugent, uh, Williams, maybe they'll, they'll be on their way out. Yeah, if we were meant to do that interview last week, actually, but uh, poor Barry was in bits. He lost, he lost his sweet Ennis voice and he couldn't talk to us. His and, sweet uh, Ennis voice, yeah. That I asked him about them. Um, McCarthy was McCarthy resigned from Mip as Ipswich manager. Literally, right after he gave Carter his debut. In fact, Carter's debut was linked to his resignation. Do you remember that? No. Because what happened was so Barry Carter signed in January of that year. What was it? Twenty eighteen. Made his debut in April. So it was a home game. I think Ipswich won the game one 0 and he brought on Cotter for his senior debut, and he played well. He put in an impressive display. Um, but McCarthy subbed him because he was knackered. That's what he said afterwards. And the fans booed uh, when he got subbed. 
Oh, and then McCarthy came out afterwards and said, "That's that sums it up really that they're booing me when I I take off a young fellow who's had a very good game and he's he's no energy left and he's knackered." Mm. And that that's when he resigned as manager. Oh, you know that. Yeah. There you go. Bit of nostalgia from the club. So we move on, prof. We go to the Warfare game, and once again we came from behind at halftime to win in um, the RSC three one. So Premier Division. Debut. Well, a debut. Never played in the league before. Well, tell us who you're talking about first. Leon Poles. Yeah, a league debut well, for Leon Poles. I thought, yeah. he, I thought he at least played somehow in the league. He played for Rovers too in the first division. No way. That's a nuts stat. He played a Lancer Senior Cup game and a League Cup game. So that was his top flight debut. He had hinted that earlier that day, hadn't he? He posted Instagram and said, like here's the kickoff times in New York and Berlin and all. It's like okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's obvious. Yeah, so great stuff from him and uh, Cotter, Finn McCann, Gaffney Tell, Cabinet didn't even travel. There was a big 19s game on as well, so uh, a depleted squad, you could say. Yeah, we only named six subs, and if you look in the dugout, Big Al and Joey looked like they were wrapped up in a blanket and slippers, so they weren't going to be called upon, really. So basically four subs. And that's the first league game Al missed since July 2018, the week before Waterford Away, funny enough. Remember, Waterford Away was his second debut. Yeah. Three years ago. Well, nearly three and a half years ago. Uh, Gavin Mazuna kept him on the bench. He was on the bench one other time since then. The League Cup game in Bray in 2019, as I just said, Paul's played in that. He obviously didn't play the Lens. He obviously didn't travel to the Lens Senior Cup game because uh, he couldn't get lifted to Colester. <laughs> the Bilkies. I'll piss off. Leave me alone. What? I said fuck off. What's wrong with you, Bill? Fuck off, Bill. Fuck off. Wait, so, yes, so Lee Grace, bro, this, this crept up on us. Lee Grace, 150th appearance. That was pretty cool. Yeah, another milestone there. We had the we had Al's clean sheets and then we had uh, Grace's 150th. So, yeah, of course, so pre-match the at this stage. points of lovely, lovely creamy Guinness in the in the pros beforehand. And big nose Jason Bourne in there and he found himself at the uh, he's getting, but- getting butchered by Rovers fans. That's what he said. <laughs> Thought he was having a quiet point after work. What wasn't going to happen. A few people said to me, I was like, What's why is big nose in here? <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. I was like, I don't know, it drinks here apparently. Yeah, so the bus anyway, bus few unfamiliar faces, but um not the regular bogey crew, but a couple of new good young lads and they're all looking like good hoops. And uh, I mean, who are we to kind of say no to them, you know? Get them on if they're showing an interest in going to the away games, you're definitely gonna have them involved. Yeah, like you say, some new faces did have uh did have Aussie Nay for company at the back. Uh, forgot to mention last week, Kieran from work, he said Ozzy Nate really lived up to what uh, what he'd heard on the podcast. <laughs> so he's, he was happy. Because <laughs> that's the first time he'd seen Ozzy Nate. <laughs> and of course, he has his shirt off and he's gone mad. And <laughs> First man, the bitch, Tasmanian devil. Yeah. Just in the pitch invasion, another thing I, I meant to mention last week, feels are on the night. Because he was, he's obviously over there in Australia, and he's he's uh, watching on about the pitch invasion, and he heard Aussie Nate was the first one on, and he goes, "Ask him what he thinks of us invading the pitch at Talca Park," 
in 2008 after we finished eighth in the table <laughs> purely because we were finally leaving that shithole. That was the purpose of yeah. the fish invasion. Yeah, yeah. Have you go and explain tonight? Um, yeah, so uh, an accident on the M9 prof delays with no time for a pub down there either. That was really bad. We, we didn't get out of Spawell for about half an hour, so that cut it off big time. And like you said, missing our usual crew on the bus, but a lot of new people and all very welcome back again. Hopefully, you enjoyed it. And uh, Mr. Away Days Mooner didn't go on the bus, prof. Tell us why. Would you like me to Mr. tell Mr. Away there? Days? Mr. Away Days, that's his name. Mr. Away Day. First name on a Tifty's bogey was <laughs> every single away day. Tell us why Mr. Away Day Mooner didn't get the Tifty's bus. Well, Gary, the reason is he had a driving lesson the next day. Also, quite a lot of sand in his vagina. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that's it. Mooner missed it away day for something that was happening the next day. The club, fold the club, please. Fold everything. Um, but yeah, no, it was a great trip up. And um, doing the usual swap with the wool man, me and Wooly in the beer club down the back, swapping beers and swapping IPAs and all sorts of good stuff. Um, but yeah, as we got to the, as we got to the ground, Prof, there was like a 19-year-old and he was running the security down there. So we got in, into the ground and uh, very hard to, very hard to kind of get any sort of beer into the ground. Taken off us at, at the ground. But there was a nice twist at the end. They actually told us when they took all the cans off us at the end of the game, they gave them back. They said, here, do you want to take them with you? I was like, yes, please. <laughs> well, that's nice stewarding now, I must say. Yeah, that was. It's sensible stewarding. I like it. I like it. None of your usual tricks work now, putting uh, the cans down in uh, strange places. Oh, I got mine in. <laughs> of course I you got did. Mine in. I had the bear drinking uh, honey pearl and everything's infatuated with it now. But uh, yeah, so we're as we we're in the ground, prof. Great time, first time in the RSC for myself, like I told you. Yeah, very, you very lost, cool your, uh, lost your RSC virginity, gear. Very, very cool, cool ground. Two stands, class stuff, and uh, enjoyed it down the back of the stand. Great stuff with the guard of honor as well, prof. Coming out, great to see. Hopefully, it'll be done on Friday. Uh, after hell freezes over, yes, <laughs> after but, uh, a of the first free chance range, of the ma- only free range pigs fly over daily mills. <laughs> first chance of the match actually fell to the greener, and this was a horrendous <laughs> miss. That's not even sugarcoat this. This is probably yeah. this might be miss of the season, miss of his career, and there's been a few. I don't even really understand bad. what happened like how did he how did this ball end up going over the bar i just don't get it uh, it's it, it, like it's one of, like i know it's an old saying but it was easier to score <laughs> it was easier to score oh man i was laughing at it but uh, a bit of confusion on the 12th minute as well prof this is we were like we were full of fucking stick for for poles but it wasn't his fault this goal definitely wasn't his fault there was a mix-up but <clears throat> Maybe maybe Paul should have dominated his area and took it, but Grace Grace ultimately let the ball slide and took a touch past our keeper, and then they had a tap in. So, listen, if you can't hear Leon Paul's show for a ball, you are deaf. 
Yeah, you've, you've got an issue. <laughs> Loudest man the club. But that, and, uh, that, that goal was very much against the run of play, though, wasn't it, at the time? Ah, they had nothing going from They had nothing going from it. Oh, I couldn't believe it. Well, I, I was confident enough anyway. But in the 16 minute, of course, it happens. Fireworks. Referee took the players out the pitch and play was stopped for eight minutes. This is ridiculous, right? And the first thing I thought, now we were just down the back and I could see the kind of fizz of the fuse on the right side of my eye and I just didn't pay attention to it. But then I heard young fellas shouting and they were saying something about the roof and I was like, what is going on? And then this fucking clown brings a hand cannon into the RSC, walking stick, it was like a walking stick the side of it and he just starts burying it all over the place. There's kids everywhere, there's people, Paul, one of, our, one of the good lads, Paul, got injured in the hip in the neck it got tour degree boards. I mean, it's just not on. It's not on. Like it's a, it's a explosive firework. Flares and smoke are different. There's a difference. There's a big difference between the two. And hopefully, he just fucks off. Absolute clown of a bloke bringing this type of thing in and letting that off. Like kids terrified, running for their fucking lives in the, in the stand. It was, dick. it was mayhem, wasn't it? Like, like you said, it was a monster of a thing. And when he fired it, it was mayhem. And just I remember looking to my left, it felt like it flew by my ear. And then just the Aussie, just the Aussie Nate on the ground. And uh, he's on the ground and his ears are ringing. And then the fellow behind him, beside him, is, is uh, Paul, who you're talking about. Jeez, how got, lucky was Nate? Who got the, the burns. Thankfully, uh, he's he's going to make a full recovery. Like, it, probably might yeah. need a skin graft. But thank, it's great news that he... Uh, he is going to recover completely, but um, but like it's so frustrating because you read afterwards and it's it always it summed up as Shamrock Rovers fans set off fireworks, fans it is fans like it was one dope as Brazzer said himself, it was one idiot. Yeah, a tag along as and, well. I don't think any regular Rovers fan would do that because it's just something we don't do. When have you ever seen something like that happen? This it might be the maddest thing of most bonkers thing of. Seen at a live game, it was bonkers, exactly. Like, to fire, to fire like a repeater at the roof at a football match with three or four hundred fans. The thing was, and everywhere repeaters. it was hitting players, it was hitting staff, yeah. it was hitting us. After those repeaters, like they blow up, they're they blow up the bombs. I think he panicked, did he? Because he didn't, he didn't, I don't think he even knew what he had, did he? It was an eight-shot cannon repeater the size of my daughter, Maya. No, but did and he know what he had? No, he, he must have. He's not stupid. Anyone who gets their hands on big fireworks like that know exactly what they have. He lit that, and he had to he had to hold out because there was eight shots left. It's not <laughs> as if you can. It's not as if you can just throw it on the ground. It's gonna. It's gonna be even worse. He should have just ran down to the front of the stand and aimed it up. But he's an idiot. So, but you were saying the stewards were lovely, but like I remember going in, and uh, <coughs> the front. No, my... no, no, they weren't. They were tough to deal with at the start. They were really. Strict. Well, I don't mean lovely. I just meant they gave your cans back. But like I remember yeah, going in, uh, like the the front part of my sweatshirt, like a little pouch, and I just had some tissues in there because I had like I had like a cold and a cough the odd time, and uh, he just points to it and he goes, "What's that?" What's and that? I huh? Said I just said his tissues. So I'm checked for fucking tissues, right? This fella walks in with a bazooka. And she's like, oh, right this way, sir. In you come. Rocket launcher. Fucking bazooka rocket launcher. And he, gets it. he must have used it as a walking stick. Yeah, I mean, it was just, it was so dangerous. And it was so embarrassing. 
annoying and just to our to our reputation, I guess, was so so embarrassing. And we're not even gonna we're not even gonna do the what aboutery, like saying Dundalk launched fireworks a few weeks ago because that's like a Bose kind of thing to do. Yeah, like what about this club when they did that? No, it's just it was pure madness. And we'll deal with we'll deal with it in, in our own way, hopefully eternally. And listen, he's not welcome to Rovers anymore, in my opinion. So we should mention just before that, someone threw a flare beside the Rovers bench. Uh, like, what was that I about? That, yeah. Oh, what's wrong with people? Idiots. I don't. I don't think that bench was was always on that side. I know you you're not familiar with Waterford, but I've been a few times. I thought the dugouts were on the opposite side. So I was, well, I was actually surprised. COVID, they could, could be switched them to COVID. Yeah. So we'll, we'll come back yeah, to a little bit, a little bit of the fireworks later on. But uh, first half chances, Gar. Yeah, we left Borky with a long shot. We Farouge it with a header as well. Yeah. So. Um, oh, by the way, I liked uh, I liked Ray Wheel and calling him Guy Fox. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so that was that was pretty much it for the, the first. Fourth yeah, half. I mean, the atmosphere and the game itself was subdued after that, wasn't it? Naturally, for the rest of the half. Like the stand was dead, the match just sort of fizzled out. Which you kind of expected. It was just after what we had witnessed, which is crazy. But um yeah, so the second half probably move on to it. There there wasn't like we didn't really look like doing much, but in the in the second half we kind of stepped it up a bit. But Woolly, Woolly was singing John Delaney, he's one of your own. So uh, I'm sure they had a few backhanders in their day from John Delaney. Yeah, well, he had a Carlo Hoops flag. That, that must be the first ever Carlo Hoops flag. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I, I haven't seen it before. He was looking, uh, he was he was dressed like Shea Guevara, he was. <laughs> well, he came out with a line that Barry would be proud of. One of these classic, just out of context. He just He's just standing up on the bus and he's talking to someone and he goes, what's the name of that island in Italy where they're all racist? <laughs> it's a bit, is it Venezia or Cagliari? Cagliari. It, I think it's I think it's Cagliari. Cagliari, whatever it is. I don't know what he's on about. Yeah. So <laughs> over the PA, they um at the start of the second half, or I can't remember when exactly they announced this, but they just announced any more anti-social behavior, and the game will be abandoned. Big threats, big threats coming from the water, boys. I think this is the same fella who does all the substitutions and was like, replaced. <laughs> yeah, didn't I didn't sound like that. him. I didn't, I didn't hear any of that. But, um, but yeah, so, on 70 minutes, bro. Well, no, before that, like I said, it was subdued. The atmosphere was still a little tense. We weren't, was the sinking way? wasn't really gotten going, Gar, properly. And, they, and, they and then, am I saying this or you? Because this, this, this is. <laughs> This was brilliant. This was, uh, and it was instant as well. So you can picture it. The, the atmosphere is okay. Everybody's in a good mood. And then the PA just decides to start playing Cody Minogue. Can't get your head out of my head in the middle of a game. For so literally two or three seconds, like not even long. Very fucking little. All you can hear was la, 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 la. And then it stops. And yeah. then every single Rovers fan in the place just going la, la, la. Champions again, <laughs> oh champions again. It was unbelievable. It was unbelievable. It was just one of those special moments in Rovers history where we just latch onto something and it made the night. 
that chant will be rung out on the on the nineteenth at Drada Home. And it's it was just so simple. Those the way the melody flowed on it. It was absolutely yeah. brilliant. It's one of the funniest, yeah. spontaneous moments I've had at Rovers game. It was it was brilliant. And it woke us up. It woke yeah. us up. And then the players turned it around. So like I said, credit Cody Malogue turned around this game. Yeah. Cully Malogue is a hoop. She hates balls. <laughs> uh, 70 minutes, Danny Hoare, or Danny, Danny Hoare, Danny, uh, Danny Mandrew. And he um, he steps up. Was it a header? It was a header from a set piece. Yeah, this was two headers from set pieces in the space of five minutes. First one was a uh, corner, wasn't it? Oh, no. Yep. It was the first one a free kick, second one a corner, I think. Too sure. I just saw them going into the net. <laughs> That's all and, I said. Yeah, I'm not sure which goal it was, but there was a great picture of a Waterford elephant on the sidelines. Just give it, give him two fingers. Classic. That always reminds me of Ray Whelan. Yeah. It'd be like, if, you, if you're not giving the, the away fans their fingers, like, what are you? Are you even at the football? Yeah. Um. Then Hoare steps up as well. This is a lovely header from a corner. He buried this. This was nice. That was a nice header. I'd like to see a score from set pieces, something that we haven't really been doing this season. Well, I don't. We'll talk in a minute. Uh, Bersham gone mad about the defending Whoa. in these set pieces. <laughs> no, no, we don't. We don't time for this, Gareth. Don't time. Don't time for this. <laughs> Sounds shit and zoom as well. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame him for going mad here because uh, it looks so easy. Whoa. These two headers. Yeah, it was. It was. It was very. Do you know what? If we had a concede them ourselves, we'd be fucking bullet. I'd be going mad. But um. Yeah, I think, and then what else? What are what are our fans, or what did the fans call Bertram every so often? They uh, they start chanting, "You're just a fat Mark Noble." Fat oh yeah, Mark Noble. I was trying to get um, Bertram convict, Bertram convict. Hello, hello. Nobody would join in, and then two country lads behind me, they were wearing Rovers gear, and they were like, "Is he really a convict?" <laughs> and, then I, and then I I delved into the into the story, the under the cosh story and I think they were Waterford based lads you just sat them down you probably missed the goal the story was so long <laughs> yeah I was like great lads I need five minutes and then we uh, we Danny prop on 91 and like we said when Danny gets into this position you know he doesn't miss he doesn't miss these so he was just played through on goal and then you know he's going to score 14 goals this season the player of the year the bay has been hot and up and what did I tell you prop I told you that something was going to happen in the last four games. And Aaron Dunn said it to me in the turn you were in as well. After I, I had decided, and he said to me, he says, what do you mean you decided on your player of the year? You said that something was going to happen in the last couple of games that would clinch it for you. These are the things that happened in the last few games that clinched the player of the year for you. Because uh, you said they were dead rubbers. You said they were dead rubbers, but this is what's going to clinch it for other play, other people as well. Yeah, I'm not. Fa- I mean, like if Danny ends up on a on a very high toll, like say he scores another two or three, I suppose you have to you have to recognize that. But just performances, let's say, in the last three games after you've won a title, I don't know how much I'm really paying attention to performances. It's not like we've got a cup final or anything to look forward. To. Well, possibly the United Union Cup final. Larish is weighing in here now. She's in. She's in the background doing a Gaffney chant. She she seems to think Gaffney's still in the running here. I think he's over there. She could hear me in the background. She said, "Two two of us are on Team Gaffney, aren't we? Me and Larish." She's she's wagging her finger here. Have you noticed Um, that when Danny, like you said, you know he's not going to miss when he receives a true ball like that. 
And he just he starts running with it at pace. It's like he already knows exactly where he's going to place it. Yeah. And then two seconds later, boom, he puts it in exactly that place. He's absolutely he's lethal. He's such a good finisher. He's such a good finisher. Best finisher since Twiggy and Brando, like you said. Yeah, such that, a good finisher. That brings him up to 14 league goals. <laughs> Which, uh, if you saw my quiz this week, Garrett, first time since yeah, Gary Twig. Quiz, yeah. First time since quiz. Gary Twig in 2012 that a player for Robbers has scored 14 goals in one league season. Uh, I picked fucking McCabe. Don't know why. I don't know why I picked McCabe for that one. Yeah. I had, um, I got, that was my big chance to get at least a solid six in that quiz. <laughs> I got a disgraceful four. I got someone, I even got who got the last goal wrong. I don't know why I picked Brando in the 4 0. It was Gavin Brennan in the left foot, wasn't it? Yeah. It's and, one then, of, and then everybody started killing each other. It was one of those quizzes, wasn't it? Where the ones you get wrong, you're like, oh shit, I should have known that. But uh, yeah, Greener got 15 goals in all competitions in 2019. So, like, he's players have got 14, 15 overall in recent seasons. But yeah, just talking yeah. about league only 14, first time since Twig. Nine years ago, uh, I, I can always hear Aaron Dunn screaming at me. It's like, follow the club, follow the club. Yeah, he doesn't yeah, win yeah. the award. He's, but, he's uh, a, a staunch Danny Manju uh, affiliate. So we started singing, That's why we're champions because yep. we were players on the piss all week and we still won 3 1. Players on the piss all week, fans on the piss all week. We still have number them. And that was um, three three assists for Dylan Watts in the game. Ah, Dylan Watts, wow. And we're two. still being accused of not rating Jack Bourne and saying that assists don't count. Yeah, two two um, set-piece assists and the through ball at the end. Uh, Watts, by the way, as he was coming off the pitch at half-time, Watford fans were throwing stuff at him. And you he got built of an egg. You need a treatment at all, apparently. He got hit by an egg. And so he comes back, comes back with three assists. It's a perfect yep. response, isn't it? Hit by, oh. hit by a bottle, hit by an egg. Someone was hit with a bag of chips. <coughs> and and Gannon started eating them. Um, they were milling, they were milling things at us, but obviously the fireworks took away from that. So well, they didn't. They knew not to throw anything at Greener anyway. He'll just gobble that up. But fair play to Conor O'Sullivan. Uh, he he went into the trouble of adding up these uh, Watts assists, and he came to thirteen. That's if you include two that led to own goals, which I think you do. I think Airman included them. You do. Yeah, yeah, I would. I'd So it's officially been counted. He went through every game this season with a flying tooth comb. And it's in, in the group chat, I know somebody said, I reckon it's about 20. It's like, no, it's no. been counted. It's 30. We literally Stop did imagining the re- all these assists. Literally did the work. The work has been done. It's counted. And it's, it's impressive, isn't it? 13 in what, 26, yeah, seven games? Class. It's top class. So, yeah. yeah. So, Mark Bertram, yeah. Oh, I. Mark Bergen says his fucking team's in fucking relegated. Some places, yeah. But Mark Bergen says team deserves to get relegated to defense set piece like that. And he's right because it was terrible, fucking terrible. Um, they yeah, were really we... poor. That just there were statues. You know what I mean? You don't, you can't defend like that. You have to at least be competitive. And they were free headers, and we'd be going nuts if it was us. So, yeah, we've done Harps a favor there, haven't we? In the relegation battle, probably Big all time, the one. Yeah. We all the money yeah. for last year gave us gave us the lead title, true. didn't they? Very true, very true. How harsh would it be though if the if Waterford end up going into that playoff and going down 
by virtue of goal difference. Because remember that 7 0 defeat to Draha, they were forced to field the kids. Oh, yeah. Do you remember that? How cruel would that be? I like, know. it's so. I think Warford have plenty in the tank to be able to get through this if they do get into a playoff. Yeah. I think they'll be too good for the likes of Bray or, or UCD. It's so tight between them. They're neck and neck with Harps on 40 points. And it's mad it's that 40 points is not enough to stay up in the division, not enough to secure safety. That will actually be a record, whatever the figure is. Because the only time a team got 40 points and they still ended up going to the playoff was Longford in 2002. So this is a very unusually high amount of points that the team second, or was it third from bottom, will get need to stay above the team below them. Yeah, so uh, senior debuts as well for Zay Zabata and Kieran Cruz. So both under 17 player coming on to make the senior debut. Very cool. Something that we did want to see. Uh, player yeah, Cruz, Cruz is a rampaging left full, apparently. Oh, I like the sound of that. Um, and players push forward, they push Leon forward to get applause from the crowd afterwards. He, <laughs> did, he, he, he nearly jumped into the crowd, he was delighted. After all slag and failing, wasn't it? It was the gas that he ended up getting his debut. I know, yeah. And there's and there's me like an absolute hypocrite singing super keeper with the rest of the crowd. <laughs> <laughs> no, a lot of us. Yeah. Um so 15 points ahead of Pat's Prof, 30 ahead of Bows and Dundalk, and we are the ones who are getting slated for not for for not um uh, for winning an easy league, whereas literally the, the players all around us just are not good enough. Someone I'm going to look up, actually. 30 points ahead of Bowles. I wonder, is that a record? Oh, Prof. Prof is coming up with the stats. Oh, we Paulie McGrath. Oh, uh, Paulie McGrath. Uh, Bradzart and Cronin bringing the two kids onto the pitch after the fireworks to make sure they were okay. Shows how much of a class act that they actually are. And, um, yeah, dead right, Prof. Dead right. I saw him. I saw him consoling two, two of the young kids there as well. And he did a great job, so. Yeah, they gave him gave him scarabs and all after the game too. So, yeah, very classy. Yeah, so the tweet from Otto Stanford saying, "Reasons I was told I can't use the ladies' bathroom tonight. This is, seems to be a case. This seems to be a thing all over uh, the world. Uh, one, there are unisex porties available in the way end. Um, if have you had to use those? <laughs> they're they're not very pleasant." Two, COVID. Three, the event. Four, there are four thousand fans here. Five, I've been told eventually. Um, followed or being eventually being followed to use a facility but escort the whole time. Why there are so so few ladies? So um, yeah, that's that's happened a few times now, in particular in Daily Mount as well. They don't kind of want to accommodate females and let them go to the. Well, bathroom. What does Crazy. what does the event mean? How is that a reason she can't? It's like oh no, you're here now. You can't use the bathroom. You're actually here at an event because you're here. Can't go. The event. Yeah, so the bus home, Prof, and lively, lively bus home. Great crack. And uh, a quick enough one, once again, I think it was a two-hour job, wasn't it? We weren't done it too long. Yeah, I was thinking as we were coming home that, Gary, Tipty's book bus is not unlike a Rovers game. You know, it kind of ebbs and flows in terms of atmosphere. You know, it goes quiet in patches. Yeah, and yeah. And we're singing at the top of our voices. But then you get your your, your Sprags and your Foldies. They get, they get a second wind with an hour to go, Gary. <laughs> They find their energy and then they're up and dancing and singing. <laughs> oh, God. 
fucking brilliant. I'm gonna miss it. I'm gonna miss it. We'll have to go up north or something. We'll have to go to see Cliftonville. So um, yeah, so that was it, and uh, a quick few points in the probs as well. Afterwards, the lads were looked after, so it was great to see that as well. Once again, at home before and after away games. But uh, it's safe to say that we were in the news slightly, Prof. And every, you know the usual when you go into work. Oh, here's the scumbag. Oh, uh, were, were you setting off fireworks, were you? Were you setting off them fireworks, were you? Yeah, I was, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was. I had fireworks and I fired my kids. Yeah. Fuck off. It was, me, it was me personally, yeah. Yeah, personally you did. And I brought them all in, yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah, we even made uh, ESPN Australia. Although someone said that to me. <laughs> Maybe that was because of Kylie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's it. And Carly talked about us for the first time in weeks as well. Obviously, that was it. Him and Con Murphy. Good old Con. We have your back, Con. Him and Con having an old ding dong online. Yeah, some, some really. Well, a lot of the reaction was justified because, like we've like we've discussed a minute ago, it was absolutely ridiculously dangerous and embarrassing. But at the same time, a lot of over the top reaction from people not even at the game. You know. <coughs> mm. I don't know what more people want. Like someone was arrested on the night. Uh, the club made a statement the next day condemning it. But like, I had a quick look at Twitter like the next day and it's just an absolute cesspit, you know? Like, why, yeah, that why, pissed me off though. Why aren't you condemning it after five minutes? Like, like that's not yeah, how things the, work. The blanket statements annoyed me now. They were like, all of you fans, all this. No, it was one or two idiots who I genuinely, I don't think I've ever seen at games. I think there were tagalongs or someone who brought them along for the day out, and um, because I don't think any genuine Robertson would do that because they know it's just out of order and they know it's not what we do. But unfortunately, um, great the media got their claws in. Great show by Phelan, actually, kind of as he's reading these replies and comments from from other fans. He goes, "The day Waterford fans are held up as guardians of morality will be the day hell freezes over." Yes, yes, definitely, definitely. And unfortunately, like you said, one fan got his neck for DJ Paul, aka the Prosecco Prince, aka middle class scum. Paul is all he's doing well. I was talking to him today, just making sure he was okay, just checking in on him, and he's all good. He is doesn't need a graft, doesn't need any more extensive treatment, so he's he's gonna be okay in, in the end. And the whip around looked after him for the night that was in it, so yeah, all good in the end, prof. Yeah, he had to stay overnight in the hospital. But as you say, great news that uh, he's going to make a full recovery. And yeah, it was that this was actually the second main story on the RTE website. Think about that. Not just sports. This incident was the second main story on the yeah. RTE website. Like, just latch onto it. That's what it is. Just latch onto it. And that photo, it's like when the, when when it's up in the air, and I think it's hitting. I think it's probably the moment that hits Wordsworth on the head, isn't it? Yeah. Like not to not to not to make light of it, but in fairness, it's a cracking photograph. <laughs> it's impressive. It really it's, is. It shows it just as it explodes. Like it, it is stunning, even though it is like it shouldn't happen. But whose uh, press conference did you think was better, Gary, this past week? Uh, Damien Duff for Shelburne, or Peter Richardson res- resignation from Roberts Chat. Yeah, I thought, well, Peter's the more entertaining one, but uh, Duffer, I've no time for. You know me, the Duffer, absolute spoofer. He'll be gone in six months. Um, but yeah, no, Peter's resignation, very disappointed to hear. Hopefully he'll be reinstated and Philly will fill him in. And fill him, I'm trying to get back onto the chat. 
Yeah, I didn't even read the Roberts chat until the Sunday, and then but then everyone was just sick of it and kind of glad it was all deleted off. Which you know, because and on the topic of the chat as well, we had some great quotes here with David McNevin. So the ultra spent five grand the last week's display, and I went on those. The Larry spent fifteen euro on a firework and some Russian news. Yeah, it's a great call. And this one from uh, we're giving Polly McGraw lots of love here today. Uh, the one from him, he goes five out of nine away stands in the league have no roof, and he lets that yoke off in Waterford. <laughs> I was laughing. Actually, Polly, I was only talking to Polly on Saturday, and I was laughing at him. I was just laughing about the actual situation itself because when you put it into perspective. This fella just strolls into the stadium, into a crowded stand. I know hindsight is great now. We can laugh about it now. But he comes in, like, what was he thinking? Crowded stand, massive eight-shot, eight, eight shot, like, repeater the size of a seven-year-old. And he lights it in the back of the stadium over a massive roof. And it's not as if he can fire it into the sky because if he, if he fires it away from the roof, it's going to go onto the pitch where the players are. This is the a big lose-lose situation here. And he still likes the fucking thing. And there's a video on the last, like you you overheard at the time. He just goes, that's going to hit the roof. Yeah. And he still fires it. Yeah, absolutely ridiculous. Madness. But um, yeah, we'll move on from this anyway. We don't want to give it too much publicity. And we're moving on to the controversial one, Prof. It's Tony Grant, part one. Okay, we're joined by uh, former Shamrock Rovers player of the year, Tony Grant, uh, making his debut in the podcast. So, uh, Tony, go back to, to the very beginning at Leeds United, where you were a trainee for the 94-95 season at the age of just 16. So, when you were there at Leeds, what was it like? And did a couple of the older Irish players like Gary Kelly and David O'Leary, did they kind of help you settle in back then? Yeah, very much so. Um you know, we arrived at Leeds from Stella Maris. I would have played with Glebe North before that and uh, had a season at Stella and uh, was lucky enough to get a trial with Leeds and um, eventually signed for him on a three-year contract. And yeah, it was it was unbelievable. It was a massive uh, experience, you know, coming from a small town like Balbriggan was back then, you know. It's not what it is today, but... Um, Coming from a small town and, and arriving at Leeds was was huge. It was daunting, really daunting. Like you know, um, I just remember coming up. I think it's the M62, coming into Leeds and just seeing this huge stadium, and I had to like pinch myself. Like, is this for real? Like, that's where I'm heading to. Like, you know, and uh, yeah, it was like a massive club at the time. There, probably a top five, top six Premier League club team with huge international players uh, and a great Irish contingent there, you know, which did help me settle in. I went over with two lads, actually, um, a fella called Alan O'Shea and um, Sean Kavna, who actually played for Shamrock Rovers. Um, and I lived with, with, with Alan and Sean lived across the road and, and another set of digs. With other lads and um, but that was a big help you know having two of your mates from the, from Ireland come over with you you know so that 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 did help me settle in and obviously Gary Kelly was there David O'Leary was there and um, I, I actually clanged Gary Kelly's boots so Gary was uh always good to me you know what I mean he throw me a five or here and there now you know over the weekend or a few bob anyway um, and I was always was looking out for you, you know. Um, 
I think that's the case probably with most Irish players going across the water. There's always someone there with that connection, that Irish connection that will always, you know, help you settle in and look after you. And I was lucky enough, I stayed in digs and the lady at the time, Mrs. Jones, was 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 Irish as well. So it was it was great. You know, there was four lads in there, digs. It was myself, Alan, a fella from Northern Ireland, Gary O'Hara and Rob Bowman. Um, who actually played for Bohemians. He would have played for uh, Carlisle as well, I think. Um, but good, you know, good group of lads. And as I said, the landlady was Irish as well. So we are well fed and looked after. Uh, Tony O'Dowd, another uh, ex-Hills player who yeah. started his, his career out at Leeds. Uh, he was there for the Eric Cantona era, wasn't he, a few years earlier? That's but... right. Still plenty of stars around in your time as well, like Gary Speed, Gary McAllister, Gordon Strachan, the likes of those. No, brilliant. Uh, like, I mean, it was great because you got to train with these lads as well at times, you know. Gary McAllister was a fantastic fella. Gordon Strachan, you know, great. Like, he was brilliant, especially with the younger lads. Gordon would always do extra training with you after after training had finished. He'd, he'd get the young lads out again and, you know, we'd have games of two-touch head tennis, you know, and he, he was a great motivator and a great lad, to, to, a great leader, you know, and a great fella to help you out. Like, um, there was uh, Gary Speed, obviously, was there as well, who was a great guy. David Batty. You could list the names, you know what I mean? They're fantastic fellas. Brian Dean, Rod Wallace, you know, all good lads, you know, and I was lucky enough to, to play with them on, on occasions as well, you know, so... Um, I'll never forget me, me me debut for the reserves. I think I was only at the club three months and we played Sheffield Wednesday in Allen Road and I was togging out with Gordon Strachan, Steve Hodge, you know, uh, Noel Whelan, who went on and done really well. Um, and we won the game 2-1 and I scored, you know, the Revy end, a great finish, you know, and I was pinching myself after the game, you know, just at the club three months and you know, things were really, I was really doing well at the time and playing really well for the U team. And yeah, they're really good, particularly my first year at Leeds was very good, you know, and um, had, had great, great, great moments. And as I said, that was a great experience that night, you know. How did you get the nickname Boots? <laughs> ah, that goes back a long time. Yeah, I, I mean, if you're from Balbriggan, everybody has a nickname. Everyone, I mean it. Uh, and... I got the name from when I was a young boy growing up in Bath Road, where I'm from, Balbriggan. I'd I'd always have boots on, welly boots, and my ma could never get them off me. I wouldn't let her get take them off. I'd have to wear these boots nonstop, <laughs> night, noon, day, every day of the week. She couldn't get them off, and uh, I think a few of the lads on the road says just name name him boots. He's, he's never held them, so <laughs> it stuck. So after Leeds, you joined uh, third division press North End for the 95-96 season. So you had you had David Moyes there as player coach. It was not too long before yeah. he became manager. Uh, you got a young Kevin Kilban starting yeah. out his career as well. What was Preston like? Preston was brilliant. You know, I'd, I'd just done two and a half years at Leeds. And, and um, at the time, there was I think there was eight of us from the from that that going into our tour year that were sort of being shipped out, pushed aside. We weren't really going to make it into the first team. Um, you know, there was a long list of strikers ahead of me, uh, you know, and 
it was time to sort of move on. And we had a couple of trial games and uh, we played them, one of them down in Sheffield United. I'd done really well in it. And after the game, Gary Peters and David Moyes was at the game. They just inquired about me going on trial for them. And it just all kicked off from there, really. I went and played in a, a reserve game in Deepdale uh, the following week. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I ended up signing for them. And I signed a three-year contract. And it was magnificent, brilliant, brilliant experience. Again, David Moyes was... A huge influence, you know, and even looking back then, like he, he done a done a hell of a lot for me to settle in, like you know, because I was obviously moving away from Leeds, I was moving away from the likes of Gaz Kelly, the Irish lads, me mate Alan O'Shea, who I'd lived with for two and a half years. So I was I was on my own then, back in digs on my own, and uh, but before I got the digs, I had to I, I stayed with Davy Moyes for a week, you know, he he put me up and looked after me, fed and watered me. And uh, was was really brilliant to me, you know. I have to say, for 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 the time I was at Preston, uh, great coach, and learned a hell of a lot from him. You know, even back then, you could tell that he was going to be a top top coach and go on and do really well for himself. You know, we used to do extra sessions after training. He'd had myself, Kevin Kilban, another fellow, Michael Holt, who actually would have played for St Pat's and Derry City. Uh, he was at Preston at the time as well. Um, he used to, you know, we we do extra after training with David. He'd have all these coaching drills, and there'd be about eight or nine of us with Davy, and he'd be going through everything with us. Um, you know, he was he was brilliant, and I think every any opportunity free weekend Davy had, he was he was flying over to Belgium or flying over to Ajax to to learn different methods, and uh, he, he just always you knew he was always going to be a top coach. Um, as, as for Kevin, like Kevin was a great lad. Uh, I was really close to Kevin when when I was at Preston. There, uh, we would have trained together, and we would have went out after training, you know, and socialised together. And uh, so, yeah, we be fairly close to Kev as well. Like you know, he, he he was he he helped me as well immensely settling in in Preston. You know, he was a great fella. And then three years at Glenavon, uh, initially on loan. Uh, later became permanent. Yeah. Uh, you scored the winning goal in the cup final. Uh, win yeah. over Cliftonville was that probably the highlight? Yeah, that, that you know that that probably was the highlight. You know things at Preston didn't work out. Um, between one thing and another, a year and a half left on my contract, and uh, I wasn't enjoying it. I was, to be honest, I was homesick at the time. I was living on my own. You know, I, was, I think it was at nineteen at the time. Going to train and I was coming home to a flat and I was sitting in an empty room just looking at the four walls. It was a tough time. I wasn't uh, getting selected for the first time. I was sort of still on the fringes um, and I wanted to play at the time. So the manager had had contacts in Northern Ireland and uh, Glenavon came up and I, I, I took the offer to go on loan for three months. Um, I think it was for a month initially. And then they extended it for for another two months. But went really well. Um, and and when the three months was up, I went back to Preston. Uh, still wasn't happy. I had such a great time at Glenavon. Really enjoyed it. Really settled there. I was scoring goals. I was enjoying my football. It was great to have that first team experience at senior level. And uh, eventually, Preston came in, or Glenavon came in and bought me. 
uh, and I signed the three-year contract with Glenavon at the time and yeah just kicked on you know four great seasons at Glenavon um, and possibly yeah I, 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 a few very good highlights you know a few great moments at Glenavon but uh, that one in particular you know scoring the winner in the Irish Cup final you know was fairly spectacular you know for the young fella you know it was only 20 at the time and uh, you know going out and playing in Windsor Park full house your family there and you scored a winning goal it's it's, it's nice you know looking back uh, you joined Roberts in the summer at his uh, 2000 uh, tell us how that move came about yeah I uh, I, I, I itchy feet from me fourth, you know, my fourth year, Glenavon, going into the fourth season. I, I'd spoken to a few clubs down, I'd spoken to Bohemians, I met Roddy Collins, um, but I just didn't think the move was right. Um, Shells were interested in signing me, um, but at the time, it just it, it never worked out. I, was, I, wasn't, uh, I wasn't happy with what was on offer, and uh, I just stuck it out with Glenavon. And then we played Shamrock Rovers in a friendly, uh, pre-season friendly. And um, I think Rovers won the game 3-1. I think I scored in the, the game. And after the game in the in the Broomhill suite, which is the, the sort of bar underneath the ground, uh, I was talking to Jimmy Jackson. Jimmy came over to me and he approached me and said, like, would you, would you fancy moving to Rovers? And I said, Absolutely, you know, I think, you know, the time was right for me to, I'd I, I done everything I could at Glenavon, you know what I mean? I, I couldn't see them going on and winning a title at the time, although they went close the year I left. But um, I'd won basically everything with Glenavon and barred the league, and I thought I'd gone as far as I could with them. Um, I'd four great years there and, and great times, super club, um, but... Uh, after speaking to Jimmy, things sort of went on. I spoke to Damien, um, and he, you know, the talks went really well. And we eventually got the deal done, you know. Uh, obviously, I was coming down. I wanted full-time football at the time, you know, because I was full-time professional. Uh, I spoke to Damien and Joe, Joe Caldwell at the time, and they they showed me the plans, Tala, the stadium, Built it all up, you know, we'll be full-time within two years. And uh, I was happy, signed the contract and uh, done the deal. And I have to say, great, had four seasons at Rovers and loved every minute of it. You know, it was a brilliant time. Probably played some of my best football in them, particularly the first couple of seasons under Damien, you know. I was reading that you uh, signed your papers with Joe Caldwell and Bertie Ahern and yes. had a Bowes game. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and um, I, I, I was obviously I couldn't play in the game, so um, it was in Talca Park, uh, under the under under the the, the, uh, the bar, one of the bars when I need to stand at half time myself and Joe and Bertie, Heron uh, was there with us signing the contract. Yeah, I think Bobby Best has that photo somewhere. You know, it actually wouldn't be a bad photo to have. I must track that photograph down actually. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I remember the game. I think there was a player sent off. There might be been a player. Mark Kenny might have been sent off, I think, in that game. We drew nil nil, but there was nothing between the sides. But just, I felt, you know, when I 
when I met the lads in the changing room before the game, like it was so professional, you know, and uh, it, it was just, it felt like I was going up another level, like from, from Glenavon at the time, the way things were done. Um, but um, that's our, was knocked back when I, when I went training with them the following week <laughs> when the deal was done. My first training session was in uh, Corky Park, uh, yeah, Corky Park in Clondalkin. Uh, and I mean, done the training session. I said, Jesus Christ, what, what will I let myself in for here? Like, you know, they, they had no training ground, obviously, Shamrock Rovers at the time. And I turned up and it was like jumpers for a goalpost, really. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, but in saying that, the, the training was brilliant. You know what I mean? Don't get me wrong. The training was great. Todd Damon uh, and Mick Cook were, were brilliant. Um, but like it was like after training, you done your two hours training, you're, you're mad to get a shower. Like I had to drive to Balbriggan, you know, before I got a shower. You know what I mean? But um, little things like that, I think, galvanised us as well, though. You know what I mean? And uh, it, it certainly didn't put me off. You know what I mean? I just felt like just get on with this. I knew down the road, well, down the road, two years' time, we'd be full-time, we'd be in Tala, you know, things will fly, things will kick off. Um, unfortunately, that didn't happen, Like, but, I mean, um, as I said to you, loved every minute of my time with Shamrock Rovers. It was a fabulous time, and uh, really enjoyed it. Of course, we were playing out at Santry at this point, and yeah. uh, you had a very good first season. You were a top goal scorer with 16 goals. In all competitions, seven then. Seven then. I'll have to worry, have to worry about our status. All about that. <laughs> uh, player of the year award in your first season. Um, do you remember the ceremony? And do you remember uh, that being a great feeling to get the award? Unbelievable! Yeah, it was. It was <coughs> an unbelievable to get it because um, we're we're top class. I felt we're very good. The likes of Derek Tracy, Mark Kenny. You know, um, Terry Palmer, Sean Francis, like, uh, you know, myself and Shani, I think, particularly them first two seasons, you know, uh, played really well together, you know. And then you Tony Cousins, unfortunately, you know, Tony, like me coming to Rovers, was, Tony was a big part of that. Like, I was hoping maybe, you know, that I'd get a chance to play with Tony in his prime. But unfortunately, Tony sort of never really got over his injuries. I never got the chance to, to play with him, you know. But, um, it worked out all right in the end because I have to say, Sean, you know, really was, was a tremendous player, like, you know, and really, really good team player. And I thought we dovetailed really well. And in, in particular, them first two seasons, I thought we we, we done really well together. Any memory of that ceremony? Oh, sorry. The, yeah. Um, yeah, it was in the Red Cow, I think. The Red Cow Hotel. Yeah, uh, I remember... The night, yeah, we we went. I I went along with a fella called Colin Colly Davis, who was from Balbriggan. He was working on the physio side of things with Albert Bourne and the doc. And um, yeah, I just remember my name being called out and being presented with the with the award. It was an unbelievable achievement in my fourth season to pick it up. Uh, as I said, yeah, I felt it could have gone to you know two or three other players, you know, but um, just. Fortunately enough, I, I, I was lucky enough to, to, to collect the award. Well, I just would, would have wished the team had done better. Uh, finished seventh that season, uh, beaten in the yeah. Cup semi-finals by Bowes and the 6-4 was that season as well. But the less said about that, the yeah. better. 
there was a lot of probably more downs than ups, you know what I mean? Um, particularly, yeah, I think I think we had won that game, you know, that Bowes game, we might have kicked on, but I think it, it did, you know, knock us back uh, you know, confidence-wise and, you know, to be leading 4-1 in a game and then lose a 6-4 is just, it's, it's tragic, you know, it shouldn't happen. And unfortunately for us on the day, it did happen. It was just a mad, one of them mad games, um, uh, you know, and we'll always be remembered. Well, I'll always be remembered for for playing a part in it. And you know, I, to be honest, I don't like when it's brought up. It's it's a, it's an embarrassing one. Um, although I scored a couple of goals, but like you want to win the game, and you know that was a bad bad day for for us. You know, and it was a it was a great day for Bohemians as they went on. They kicked on from that and won the, the, the league and cup double and then they they beat us in the semi-final Glenn Crow last minute you know that was horrific you know after you know one of the, the best moments of that season was probably the the quarter-final beating Shells 3-0 you know I scored twice that night and it was just brilliant brilliant night because I think Shells could have been our side in the game they missed so many chances and we just turned it on and uh, went on and won a 3 nil, but you know, unfortunately for me, I actually picked up a hamstring injury in that game right at the last five minutes, and me hammy wasn't right then for the rest of the season, particularly the semi final. I still wasn't right in that semi final, and uh, that was disappointing because I just knew I wasn't at my best that night because of the injury. But um, look, it was it was a, a we, we probably could have nicked it that night as well. We had chances. I think Mark had a free kick that hit the bar and we might have had one or two other chances in the game. And then Glenn Crowe goes up and snatches it right at the death, you know, unfortunately. But uh, look, that's that's the way it goes. You you move on, you know. I was lucky enough to play in the semi-final the year after and beating again. <laughs> and eventually the third season, we beat Bohemians. We got them back and got to the cup final but again unfortunately lost the cup final but uh, yeah a lot of low points in that season but you know for me personally I felt I had a I'd done really well it was like you know your my fourth season in League of Ireland and you're playing with a massive club like Shamrock Grovers you, you want to do really well and to have the season I had and pick up the player of the year award was uh one of the highlights of my career to be honest well uh, we'll come back to derbies in a moment but I just want to talk about Europe 2003 because uh, fans really fondly remember Audra in the, oh, yeah. the Toto Cup yeah. uh, so right. what do you remember from the trip itself and obviously your winning goal it was a long ball up to you and uh, you finish it off so give us your memories of, of the trip and the goal the trip was uh, it was a brilliant trip um, I think Liam Buckley he had, you know, we the, the Glenn was a very good manager, and there was, you know, we he had everything on the opposition, you know, um, all all his tactics were spot on on the night, and I do remember that the trip over was great, you know, I think there was a lot of we had a lot of supporters on the on the same flight coming over, it was great, great crack, you know, I think Kevin Hunt actually was on board the flight as well, and he got a lot of stick, he was flying over to. Uh, I think he was going over to he was going over for a weekend with his with his wife or something. But I remember there was a lot of stick flying about. 
Um, but um, it was a brilliant, brilliant uh, trip. I think we went over. We played on the. I think we played on a Saturday, did we? A Saturday night, and uh, I think we we are we are in Poland for four days. We were over there for a good stint, so we did a lot of time to prepare for the game. And um, I remember everything just going well, training and great group of lads, great squad of players, and always always was and great crack, you know, you know, um, at the hotel and that there was great buzz with the players and we just done our training, we got on, prepared for the game, uh, went out and the to, to play the game then on the Saturday night and I remember, you know, good crowd there, you know, I don't, I don't think it was a small stadium now, it wasn't a massive stadium, but um, yeah, it was great atmosphere in the stadium and there was a thing, it must have been about it must have been about two hundred Shamrock Rovers fans. I don't know how they made it over, but they were there and and they were, they were making themselves heard. They were brilliant on the night, and um, yeah, the game just was brilliant. You know, I thought we played well from start to finish. I think we created a lot of chances, and um, I felt from right from the off. You know, maybe 10, 15 minutes in the game, I thought we we can do this here. You know, definitely. And uh, we went on and proved that, like, you know, we went 1-0 down, but we got back in the game. Stephen Grant scored the equaliser, you know. Um, and then, yeah, I was lucky enough to, to get the winner then a few minutes later. Uh, brilliant ball. Well, Shane just hoofed it up the park, to be honest. And I was lucky enough to get on the end of it and shake off a couple of defenders. And, yeah, it was a nice individual goal. Went and slotted it past the keeper. Uh, and then turned to, to the fans who were going bananas at the time, <laughs> going mad. And it was just great to share that moment with the fans then, like because uh, again, it was it was a, it was a great win. You know, any away win in Europe is fantastic. You know, so yeah, it was fantastic. And we went on and we beat this beat them at home as well. So it was it was a great couple of weeks in Europe. Yeah, that was a special one for the fans, wasn't it? Because some of them were probably too young to even remember the last time Robbers won away in Europe. So it was it was really yeah. significant for them, wasn't it? Yeah, I think yeah, exactly. You know, it was a history making moment, and um, again, like you know, it was just it, it was great to be part of that team that went and, and done and achieved that. Because uh, as I said, you don't often get away victories in Europe that often, and. You know, it was great to come out with, with the victory on the night, you know. And again, as I said to you, you know, we 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 did a great night afterwards. We went and had a few beers, a few sherbets, <laughs> and uh, had the crack and, you know, went home and got dusted ourselves down and and, and, and beat them again in the, in the second leg, which was great. So on derbies, uh, you, you signed your papers at a Dublin derby. But then when you finally played in one, was it not until you played in it you realised how big it is? Yeah, yeah, it was. Derek Tracy, like I used to, you know, pick up Derek at the coachman's there every Tuesday and Thursday night for training. And, you know, he'd be chatting away and Derek would be talking about the Bows and Rovers Derby and how big it was. And it's massive, you know, and I'd be just, you know, really interested listening to him, you know, getting excited. Jesus, I can't wait to play in one of these games. And, you know, when it did come about, I think that the first game I played in, we we won 1-0. Uh, 
Yeah, Sean Francis, I think, scored the winner. It was a brilliant night, you know, fantastic atmosphere. And uh, you just got the general feeling that, like, both sets of supporters just did not like each other, you know, and the passion from both sets of fans were, you know, is what sticks with me, you know. It, it was fantastic, you know, and obviously the, the play and then win the game, like, it's, it's huge. Um, so that, that was my first, my first derby. And, yeah, lucky enough, we, we came away with the victory again on the night, Sean Francis. Great finish. Yeah. You scored a few goals in the derby. You scored a backheel winner at Richmond Park in 2001. And possibly the most famous one was the Dailymount Park centenary game, 7th of September 2001, yeah. where we spoiled the party and you scored the winning goal. Yeah. I think, I think, yeah, I think that that game, the, the, the 100 years, the centenary derby was a brilliant, brilliant game. That, that's probably the biggest you know the biggest derby that I felt I've played in that that night I thought the fans were just unbelievable there was flares there was noise the whole comic den was full you know the Jody stand was full it was just a, a brilliant night and uh, it was great to go and spoil the party and win it 1-0 and again lucky enough uh, got in the end of the end of a ball I think it was just the ball played into the box and I was lucky enough to, to slot it past the keeper on the night um, fantastic, fantastic uh, win that night, Jay. Brilliant memory. You mentioned the cup semi-final win over Bowes as well in 2002. Uh, tell us what Tony O'Dell did uh, after the, <laughs> the final whistle there. Ah, like, you know, Tony, Tony's great lad, you know, and brilliant, you know, and a bit of a wind-up merchant, you know what I mean? <laughs> and, uh, just after the game, he was, uh, we, we'd won the game, obviously, 2-0. It was great great win and fully deserved um, and we just got ourselves to you know an FAI Cup final which was was which was huge you know and just coming off the park back into the changing rooms I think Tony just had a few words he knocked on the bow's door and <laughs> gave, it, gave it loads you know <laughs> and uh, yeah that, that was it like, that that was it then it was just there was nothing, nothing, nothing came about it, like you know what I mean. But that's just Tony's character, you know. He was a great lad and loved drivers and 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 hated balls. <laughs> so that is a that's the positive part of Tony, prof. You're gonna get the yeah. you're gonna get the the move next. If you just ended there, it seems like he had a nice Rovers career. But of course, that's only half the story. Um, he is um people fondly remember the goal anyway in Poland. Like it was a yeah, massive yeah. goal, massive win at the time, and the one that spoiled the party in the in Daddy Mount. Yeah, talked about that. Also loved Tony O'Dowd going into the boss dressing room after we beat him in the cup semi final. Like that's didn't classic. he incite a riot as well before? He did. He got he got, he got charged for inciting a riot. Didn't <laughs> it didn't stick, but that they tried. That charge sheet and is still up on the mantelpiece. There's not much. Um, like Tony Grant hasn't done much media at all since he's retired um the guy just before i interviewed him i just did a don't search. think they gave him the wages i don't think the wages were really prof yeah it must be a gear. <laughs> i i just i just put in a search to see had he done anything and there was an article in the sun from four years ago about derbies and he was talking about the pig's head and all and but like so in terms of league of ireland interviews around the 42.e and like that. It was that was it 
that was only trace on on Google, right? But yeah. literally two days before the the Dundalk game, where the pig's head was thrown onto the pitch, there was an article, a sponsored article for Zurich Bank in the Irish Times, where him and his partner talked about you know mortgaging their home and and getting loans and how to yeah how they deal with finances now two days before that game and before i got the idea to call him it was so random yeah, like if you google so. tony grant now and robbers that article would pop up just him talking about finances <laughs> and zurich bank coming out is he coming out with a book uh i don't know about that so that's yeah. so other results prof Pat's getting bounced at home three nails now. That was a that was a surprise, wasn't it? Surprising scoreline for sure. Uh, Stephen O'Donnell not there, missed it with, with an illness. Uh, Rumored to be COVID. I don't know if that's. <coughs> yes, yeah, true. Confirmed, is it? Yes, yeah, confirmed. Um, with Harps one one with Derry in the so-called derby up top. Uh, no, that was the third win. Third win in the row, by the way, for Sligo. That that sealed Europe for them. Right. So they're good little run for them. Yeah, Europe done and those to Dundalk. I read an article today in the paper. Uh after talking about Dundalk beating Longford and they're saying Dundalk's European hopes alive after after Longford win. Dundalk, can they actually still finish fourth? Can they still finish? I don't know. It'd be that'd be crazy if they did. I think they actually mathematically they can, yeah. So when you hear a paper saying hope's still alive, it's really a long shot, I think, as well. We posed yeah. 2-1, draw the prof. I had them in my last man stand and I would have gladly took a loss and been wiped out the last man stand, but they did win. So there, I think there's 12 of us left, maybe 11. Yeah, fair play to the draw the fans as well. It actually, it wasn't this game. It was the it was the derby. It wasn't the loud derby. They had a banner that said, love peak six, hate on dock. Yeah, so... And uh, um, some big crowds of these games, like uh, the Harps... One dairy one game you mentioned there over three thousand at that match. The Galway Bray playoff semi final three and a half thousand like that's massive. Yeah, it's deadly. Galway started to sell out stadiums as well. Brilliant. It's what we need really. Uh, so that's the results this week. I mean, if you see the Bray through to the playoff final, bit of a letdown. You'd rather like the Galway in there. You get a good away trip over. But I'm thinking, I don't know. Maybe UCD might have enough there. But Shazi's. Hopefully, Shazzy's boys and uh, can do well enough there. It was Brandon Cabinet who, uh, sorry, I'd rather Bray go up there and rather than anybody and then Warford to beat them. That's my my prediction anyway. Bray to go to the to the to the playoff and Warford to beat them. Yeah, I'd agree. I think Waterford will have too much for them, but uh, and like you said, it would have been better if Galway went up because we love that trip. But uh, it was Brandon Cavanagh who won it for Bray with a he was on the end of, end of a cracking team, wasn't it? And apparently he has a 25,000 euro asking price if we're to sell him. Yeah, go for it. I'd let him play for free. He's not going to get a game with us, to be honest, really. Sometimes um, I forget that he's still on their books. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Ali Gilchrist and James Dillon have signed for, for Cork and Aaron Bulger re signed. So um, I think it's the Rovers 2015 team, is it? It, that's that was my first. Well, 2017. Mm. And speaking of uh, 2017, Gar. Oh, how about that for a segue? 
2017. Oh, uh, Mikey O'Connor. Mm-hmm. Mikey O'Connor throwing out shells, prof. <laughs> this is hilarious. First thing Duffer does, comes in, gets the <laughs> job, and fucks out Michael O'Connor. He mu- there must have been an issue. There must have been something going on in the dressing room there when Duffer was there. But he said, win the league and get fucked out. Sound Duffer. Like, this is an s- absolute chancer of a bloke. Chancer of a bloke. He's on a picture of him on a boat as he posts that as well. Yeah, drink That was the best part about it. And Danny won player the uh, Danny won the league. He won the league player of the month at the Ward for October. Can we give it back? We don't want it now. Now that we won it, we just don't want it. Yeah, about time, wasn't it? I mean, mm. he was the obvious choice, four goals and assists, but I'm sure some people will still say that Brazzer whinged and he got what he wanted, but I mean, he was the choice, wasn't he? Mm. Uh, I'd have been called up to the under-19s again for the European qualifiers this week. The first game is today against Montenegro. We came off the bench and they won 3-2. Singler Armstrong getting two goals, prof. Oh, and Johnny Kenny getting another. I went training a little close one at the end. I watched the goals earlier on. Uh, Sinclair Armstrong is a fucking beast. If you actually look at the that squad, a lot of players were in our academy at one stage. Yeah. Like you've just called it is, out, yeah, it looks very good, yeah. You've just called out another two there. Kevin Zeffi got his first call up as well. So that are under the 19 squad. It's like rooted in uh, <coughs> in Rowers players. Did you read the article by Stephen Carr? His, no, uh, he's his agent. He's Oidmo's agent, isn't he? He's Zeffy's agent, yeah. <coughs> Sorry, F Zeffy's agent. Yeah, no, what did he say? He says, well, it was, it was he talked forever, like it was a long article. He says he basically says he's gonna go all the way at Inder. He also says he's he's tested positive for COVID seven or eight times. Which, Fuck off. Is that even possible? How how is that even the case? How many weeks of your life that is? I know it can stay in your system for a few weeks after it's but like seven or eight times that must be an exaggeration (sighs) yeah so that's that anyway 2021 player of the year voting is open prof closes midday Saturday the 13th be very interesting do you agree that Danny can be the can be under can be the young player of the year as well he's 23 isn't he that's what I was about to say I don't know about voting for a 23 year old as young player of the year I think a lot of people are going for scales, are they? Uh, I think so, but if 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 he's in the running for it, you can give it to him. I think possibly they pro- they might have had eyes on someone else for the senior player of the year, and that's why they threw Danny in to the young player of the year. Do you know what I mean? I think it's all orchestrated there, prop. Must be so. Yeah, so underage results, we Rovers are the under-19s champions of Ireland after a 2-1 win over Sligo. Tana Stadium of the weekend goes from Jamie Doyle, good talent man, Jamie Doyle and Michael Letty. So 2 1 great win for the 19s. And Bazunu, Gavin Bazunu stopped off to support the 19s and his old teammates in Tallis. So great. Uh, once again, just a top, top fella. Hoping to get yeah. him over a t shirt as well, bro. How about that for publicity? If oh. you're listening, big Gav, send us on your address, reply to that message, we'll get you over a Tifty's t shirt. So we'll have Shazi and we'll have Gavin uh, rocking the shirts. There you go. And just I think uh, Big Gav might probably score more goals than Shazi. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he'll love to hear that. Sorry, Shazi. Still friends. Yeah, big congrats to the 19s on, uh, on becoming champions of Ireland. And just to confirm, because someone asked that very, very important question on, on the Roberts chat. Yes, it was free admission in Tada for that game, Garrett, meaning that it was free to get in. So what that means is 
don't have to pay anything. No, no, current, no currency changes hands. No money required. No, he's walking. Free admission means free to get in. So <laughs> now we could clear that up. Uh, we had 17 celebrating the league win on Saturday as well. 6-0 win over Derry at the Academy. Thanks to Thomas Morgan Hattrick and this fella is looking good as well. So great stuff there for the 17s. Yeah, so an eventful weekend for young Kieran Cruz. Uh, he posted this on Instagram. He said, what a weekend. Friday, senior debut. Saturday, under 17s champions. Sunday, under 19s champions. Uh, tell you what, this kid, getting, he's going places, this kid. And just on the uh, 19s, 19s, Gareth, I forgot to say, um, they had gone into the last game of the season, top of the table. Gareth's pulling the face here. It's me <laughs> off. They'd gone into the last game of the season, top of the table on goal difference. Because they had beaten St. Pat's 3-2. Uh, that was actually... I, was, I don't know what the venue was, but the Idemo uh, interview was at the AOL, AUL just before that game. So that's why you could hear like the airplanes going over their heads. Oh, right, just right, talking right. to them. And sure enough, Idemo scored that evening. Scored in the 3-2 win. So that put them uh, just about in control going into that last game, which they, which they won against Ligo. So, yeah. So that's the 17s and the 19s champions. That's it. And the women's 17s lost the league semi-final against Pimo 2-1 after extra time. So unfortunate for the ladies and the 14s. The 15s were free to view on LOI TV as well. The 15s were beaten 1-0 by Bowles in the league final in Athlone. And the 14s also lost that final 2 0 to Galway United. So, commiserations to the lads, but keep the heads up and keep cracking on for next season because they have serious potential there, unlimited yeah. potential. Yeah, by all accounts, very unlucky and were the better side in the game. So, um, yeah, so the Sun picked up on our interview. Our interest in Galway is Alex Murphy. So, uh, remember, you used to always say that they, they were, there was a lot of journals under pseudonyms in the Ultras chat. <laughs> and they'd always just pick up on rumours and run with them Shamrock rumours um, Shamrock rumours yeah Conan Bourne on Con's podcast was talking about Steve McPhail for Dr. Baker's position let's just go swiftly by that one and ignore it thank you very much doesn't want the job um, congratulations to Roberto Lopez Pico friend of the show who's been included in the Cape Verde squad for the upcoming World Cup qualifiers against Central African Republic on the 13th of November at home and against Nigeria 16th November away. So Pico could be traveling as we speak. It's the 10th of November now. He's to play in the 13th. I'd imagine he could be in the airport right now. So safe travels to Pico if you're listening. And uh, something to keep you tipping away and happy with on the plane. Tiffany's is here for you. Yeah, you can shoot into Tiffany's as he's in the air. Sure, why not? There you go. And we burned Munich home game in the Cup Winners' Cup was 55 years ago to the day on Tuesday. So a big, big game that was. Prof, huge one back then. Yeah, shout out to Mick Kieran who we interviewed uh, about that game. And your 19 celebration t-shirts prop, you can get them in the in the club shop. Get user t-shirts. Get user t-shirts. Get user draw the ticket to the title party. <laughs> and get user special buke because we've got a special yes. 2021 buke for the draw the game. <coughs> and don't Simple forget your special rings end to tell. And of course, if you want to get your hands on a homicide book from Owen Royce, you can check that out on Amazon. You expect more passage from that next week, but similar to the 2020 book that we had last year. Remember with all the the reviews of the games and the oh yeah, brilliant, stats brilliant. and stuff like that. So 
yeah, you can look forward to that. And uh, speaking, speaking of, speaking of books, care. Speak, no, speaking of books. Say it properly. Speaking of books. <laughs> yeah, new one out for Christmas. It's called How Winston Came Home for Christmas. Fuck off, will you? <laughs> I've been fully in the house. <laughs> I've been getting. Uh, do, you, I, do you know what the funny thing is about you? This could be real. Uh, I'm not saying it's there, Winston. I'm just saying, as it happens, there's actually a book coming out by an Irish author called that. How Winston Came Home for Christmas. <laughs> I'm telling you, it wouldn't surprise me if you had that up your sleeve. Yeah, so uh, Tommy, yeah, Tommy on uh, Twitter 100 days ago, Sean Grover's on this day 100 days ago, 100 years ago, prof. You, uh, you'll be all over this. Yeah, he was telling me about this in the Far Provinces. Uh, he's been doing it on Twitter. Of course, in 1921, we were actually in the Senior League. Uh, we didn't join the League of Ireland until the following year. So it's a little updates on where the club was at 100 years ago each sort of week or when, whenever he has uh, notable sort of milestones. And uh, by the way, that, that wasn't, um, it wasn't Tommy's debut in the Far Provinces after the Harps game. Oh no, Tommy's, said, a, Tommy's a frequenter. Now you said he had been there before, but I think it was the first time with us there, was it? And so we might have a new a new frequenter, but he was gone mad about the mate beside him. Uh, sorry, sorry if I don't remember his name. Uh, he was because he was saying that the week that that week and the week before, he kept saying he was worried about Derry next season, and Tommy was gone mad. And I was like. Can you just enjoy this first, will you? Going on to <laughs> Derry next do the season. Do his voice, Key. Do his voice. <laughs> we hadn't even like celebrated the league win. I know. Yeah, he's worried about fucking next season. And I remember you. Yeah, the, so- I remember you at, on that night, Gar, just you in the far problems, just surveying the room. I could almost, I could almost look <laughs> into your mind, like all the parameters and dimensions, like, like I can put seventeen people over here at this wall. <laughs> <laughs> and 18 people here in this section. That's Just plan now your awards. Do you ever see the do you ever see um the hangover where he's trying to do all the maths in his head at once and he's counting cards? Yeah. Al- <laughs> Alan's doing it, yeah. That's what it was like. That's what it was. So we'll move on, prof. So next up <laughs> we have Tony Grant, the controversial section of uh so part two. So we'll get down to the nitty-gritty now, uh, Tony. How's the move come about to Bowes in 2004? Um, yeah, it came about. Look, I'd say it was Dermot O'Neill who was at Bohemians. I would be very close to, you know, and Stephen Carfrey as I played with them at Glenavon for three seasons. So we always kept in touch, you know, we were always uh, talking and chatting away and, you know, things sort of didn't really go that fourth season at Shamrock Rovers. Um, Things were starting to slide a little bit, you know, with the club. Again, I'd probably go back to the start when I signed for Bowes or signed for Rovers. I uh, I fully expected us to be full-time within a couple of years to be playing in Tala. And, you know, you know, it, it, it didn't happen, you know what I mean? For one reason or another, you know, the lads all tried their best to get it done and it just didn't happen. Um, those issues with with payments, you know, players' wages, uh, you know, a couple of, couple more than a couple of times, I had my bank manager ring me to say, Tony, listen, 
that check has bounced again. <laughs> uh, but there was never a problem. Like, oh, look, we always uh, got paid. I always got paid in the end. Like, but uh, you could tell that there was a downward slide and things were starting to spiral out of control for Shamrock Rovers. But like, Liam Buckley was still there and he was trying his best and trying you know, to get a team out on the pitch and all that, you know. But I think that the last eight games, I think of that season, Liam, Liam wasn't playing me. Yeah, I was, uh, I think I was on the bench for the last six, maybe six or eight games of that season. So I felt that Lane probably didn't fancy me, fancy me, to be honest. You know, I thought like maybe he, he was pushing me aside. Um, so I'd spoken to Dermot O'Neill at the end of the season and they, he said basically that they, they'd be, they'd love to have me down at Bohemians. Um, and I says, well, look, Let's see what happens, you know what I mean? I'll go back and see what what happens at Rovers. And look, things went back to Rovers and things weren't picking up. You know, there were still problems with the wages side of things. Um, and Drawdy United had come in for me as well at the time. So I had a decision to make whether to go to, with Drada or go with Bohemians. And... Drada were part-time at the time and Bohemians were full-time. I always wanted full-time football. Uh, Bohemians had just come off of winning the league title. Uh, they were full-time, as I said. A great, great uh, group of players there. And I just felt that that was probably the right move, you know. Although, you know, I knew I was crossing the divide, you know. You know and that was, like, you know... Uh, for weeks, I toyed with the decision, you know what I mean? But um, I, I think I had to make that decision uh, in regards to the best interests interests of my family, you know. Um, didn't go down too well, I know that. But look, uh, you know, the talks went on with Stephen Kenny and eventually uh, Bohemians and Shamrock Rovers came to an agreement and we got, the deal was done. And uh, yeah, that's that's how it all happened. Uh, it was, you know, it, it wasn't nice, you know what I mean? You know, it, 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 it was, I felt, you know, really, you know, bad having to move to the Bohemians, but I felt at the time it was the right decision. Um, and I knew that, you know, that it wouldn't go down well. And But I had to make a decision, you know what I mean? And sometimes in life, you make decisions and uh, whether they're right or wrong, you know, you just go with your gut at the time. And at that time, uh, I felt that I had a chance of playing full-time football uh, and the possibility of, of winning trophies. Um, and as I said, I felt that at Shamrock Rovers in my final year there, four great years there, but, you know, the, the, the last couple of months of that final year, I wasn't playing was on the bench and I felt, you know, that maybe Liam was overlooking me and, you know, didn't fancy me or whatever. And I just felt that, you know, maybe it was time, you know, there was problems with the wages, you know, and look, we all know what happened to Shamrock Rovers in the couple of seasons afterwards, you know, unfortunately they were relegated and, uh, you know, that was a sad day and, you know, it was, even for me, like, it was, it was absolutely good, good for the lads, you know, and, I'll never forget that replay, you know, with, with Dublin City, you know, and looking at Derek Tracy and 
you know, really, really felt felt for them all, you know. Um, well, yeah, the, the, Sorry, go ahead. Now just the mill went ahead then and I ended up at Bohemians. Um and yeah, with, with two and a half years there then, yeah. Uh didn't didn't go well looking looking back, you know. Uh you know, same thing happened at, at Bohemians nearly what happened Rovers, you know. They they struggled in that, you know, the money there was money problems, they lost maybe 12 of our player, senior players after that fourth season. Um, you know, within three months, Stephen Kenny got the sack, you know. Um, and, you know, I struggled with injuries and uh, never really got momentum with Bohemians. Um, enjoyed my time there, you know what I mean? Immensely, you know, good club, great people behind the scenes. Um, but, um, yeah, that's, that's, that's where it was, you know. I don't know if you saw what happened last week in Dundalk with uh, with Sean Gannon with the, yeah. the the pig's head, but it obviously brought back memories of what happened with you in the first derby in two thousand four. Uh, yeah. Pig's head was smuggled into Denny Mount by Rovers fans and placed on the side of the pitch during the game. A gesture aimed at you and James Keddy. He made the move at the same time, but particularly uh, at yourself. So, what do you remember yeah. from the night? I think James Kelly just gets a token gesture there, you know, being named. Look, it was directed at me, you know, and it was. But um, what do I remember? I don't remember the pig's head, to be honest with you. I've never seen it being thrown on the pitch. What I do remember is seeing pig's feet being fired past my face, you know, and um, I remember, you know, the conic down there in Daily Mount, the, the, the abuse, you know, was horrendous. But um, look, I was big enough to take it. You know what I mean? I was big enough to make the move. I was, you know, big enough to take the, the stick. I knew it was going to come my way. And look, I've I've friends and family that are Shamrock Rovers fans, huge Shamrock Rovers fans, and you know, weren't happy one bit that that I made the move. And still to this day, I still get the stick off them. You know what I mean? It's it's always going to be there. You know, and you know if. There's Dave Hanley in work, you know, he's a fellow I work with, big Rovers fan, and he's 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 always he calls me Judas every day. He calls me Judas, you know. <laughs> but um look, it, it was a massive occasion, and uh I think we drew two all on the night, you know. I had a couple of chances early on, I didn't take them. Um and Rovers actually played really well on the night and probably should have won the game. Um I think we got out of jail with a late penalty from Kevin Hunt. Um, but yeah, it, it was the the abuse was unbelievable. And then what probably made it worse about ten minutes in, I I caught Trevor Crowley late right in front of the Shamrock Rovers fans, and uh, it was probably a bad move. It was <laughs> the abuse was just uh, horrendous, you know. Um, but it, look, it added to the atmosphere. It was it was you know, and it'll always be remembered, I suppose. And people still talk about it to this day. So. You know, you'd be remembered, remembered anyway for 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 whatever reason. But um, yeah, it was it was a good game, a good good atmosphere, a good game. But uh, yeah, never forget it. Yeah, it was on the back pages of the newspapers, wasn't it? The media yeah. had fun with it for a week, so oh. it'll never be forgotten. That one, double page. Yeah, it was mad, you know. And I think only a few years ago as well, they brought it back up again and. I think there was a, a, a TV show on one of the sports stations about 
Bohemians and Shamrock Rovers, the rivalry, you know, um, and I think it was on that as well, like, you know, so it's it's crazy, really. But uh, that just goes to show you what, what, what it means to both sets of fans, though. It's a huge game. Like, it, it, it's, it's a massive, massive game. Um, Derek, Derek was... Derek Tracy was right, you know, from from the begin from the get go. Like, it, there's no bigger game, you know, and you know, I think it's that's that's proven over the years, you know. I know we've been lucky enough to play in, in a good few and actually scoring a good few, which is which is brilliant as well, you know. You've you've kind of touched on parts of my question here, but I'll, I'll just ask it anyway. But you were you're probably called everything under the, under the sun by Rovers fans at the time, so. Yeah. Looking back, do you regret it in that you regret making the move to, to win things, which you said at the time, and do you regret how you basically became, you know, a hate figure for, for the Rawers fans? <laughs> looking back, looking back, you know, at the time, you know, I, I, I thought, it, I felt it was the right thing to do, the right move to make. Um, yeah. <sighs> I enjoyed my time at Bohemians. I really did. I, 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 to, to this day, I'll always say like it, it was great. The full time training was brilliant, and uh, things didn't go too well there. Uh, you know, it has to be said, I didn't play any greatest football there. I still feel that you know Rovers probably got the better years at Elmy. You know, and I played probably my best football last time at Rovers. You know, at the, in, in them years. Um, but do I regret it? Yeah, of course. Look. You'd like to, you know, be able to or hope to think that supporters will remember you for, for, for the good things. But that's, like, I realise now that's all wiped, you know, because I made that move to, to Bohemians. And that's unfortunate, you know, because, you, you, like, I'd, I'd love, like, that, I'd love for Shamrock Rovers fans to think of me and the good times and the good moments that we shared together, like, during them years. Um, but look, that's not the case, and that's not the way football works. Like if you, if you if you're gonna, you know, make make the move to your arch rivals, that's that's what's gonna happen. Um, you're you're not gonna be seen in the same light uh, again. And look, that's the way it is. You know, I mean, there's I do speak to a lot of Shamrock Rovers people and fans, and they're, they're great people. That I mean, they're genuine, brilliant supporters, and. Uh, but you're always going to have the other side that 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 will knock you uh, and and slaughter you for for making the move. And I've no no problem with that at all. Like you know what I mean? That's that's not a problem. But uh, do I regret it? Probably looking back now, I don't because I think I had to make that move. Um, things weren't working out as I said to you. I felt that it name and sort of. I was out of favour there with Liam at the time and I felt that I had to make a move uh, at that time. I was hoping to be full-time at Shamrock Rovers. I, ho- I was hoping to be playing in Tala. You know, it all could have been so different if if that, if that them promises that were made to me when I signed for Shamrock Rovers, it probably would be all different, you know, a whole different outcome. And I look at the lads today playing in Tala and I, I, honestly, I, I would have loved to have played in Tala. And to not get that opportunity probably hurts the most, you know. Um, because it's a it's an amazing setup, you know, and the players there don't know how lucky they are to 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 play for such a club in in a beautiful stadium like that, you know, uh, with with 
great supporters, you know, that, you know, they're, they're huge. Like, you know what I mean? There's no question about it. Any, they're, they're, they're brilliant, brilliant supporters. And, um, you know, the, the, the players today are they're, they're blessed to, to have that ground and to be walking out to three or four thousand people every Friday night, you know, that's, that's what dreams are made of, you know what I mean? And, you know, I never got that, you know, and that's the biggest thing that, you know, I'll be, I've missed, you know, missed out on. It's still always a controversial move, isn't it? Even today, look at the last six, seven years, a handful of players have, have gone one way or the other from, from Rovers to Bowes. Do you think reaction has varied differently to certain players? Say, for example, Terry Palmer, yeah, I was going to mention his Terry. career at Bowes in 2005, and he was applauded by Rovers fans in his first game for them. Yeah, yeah, I know. I remember that. You know, I remember Terry. I was, I was there that day. You know, and um, I remember that game. We actually, I think Bowes won a two-one, and I think I scored in that that game. Um, but I remember warming up down by the comic down for Shamrock <coughs> for for Bohemians, and Terry was getting bleeding. Getting the claps and there's one Terry Palmer and Terry Palmer's a hoop and all that, you know, and yeah, Judas. I was getting the Judas and I was getting the abuse. Um so uh yeah, it was just absolutely, you know, crazy. But that's that's the way it goes. I think Tony Cousins would have played for balls, went to Rovers, you know, not a problem. Uh Trevor Malloy, you know, same. You know, we would be highly thought of at both clubs. Um, but, you know, that's, I don't know, maybe for whatever reason, you know, it was just the way the move came about, you know what I mean? It was probably, Rovers are struggling. You know, they look, you know, the, on, on that, you know, there's Tony Grant, he's jumping ship. Like, it was nothing to, like that, you know what I mean? It was just, I felt it was our favour as well, but Liam at the time, and I felt, you know, things as a club, we're starting to spoil out control and um, I had, at the time I just felt it was the right decision to move but you know you have to you just have to get on with it and, 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 and deal with it you know Given your own experience and if you look at uh, in the modern day like Danny Manjoyu subjected to a lot of abuse by, by Bowes fans after his move to Shamrock Rovers what do you think of that side of the game, the intensity between the fans and the hatred that comes out of these derbies? It's, it's I have touched on it there before. Uh, it, it's like a religion, it's the, you know. It's it's there's nothing like it in the League of Ireland. There's no there's no game bigger than the Bows and Shamrock Rovers. There's, there's not, and 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 uh, it's. It's just so intense, you know, the, the atmosphere, you know, it's, it, you know, walking out Daily Mount or walking out at, at Tala, I'm sure it's the same. You know, the, I remember just the hairs on the back of your neck standing up, goosebumps, you know, and you're fired up. Like, you, you, you know what I mean? You felt, look, we have to we have to do this today for these supporters. We have to do it. Like, you know what I mean? You have to raise your game another, you know, 20%, you know, and it, it was absolutely brilliant games to play in absolutely brilliant games to play in and the supporters just you know they just they hate each other you know it's it's crazy like but uh, it, it's it's a culture and it's part of part of the League of Ireland and it's part of 
you know that 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 big game. It's it's brilliant. So you eventually found your way to your hometown club, Drogheda. Uh, you had a bit of success there, uh, league and a Satanta Cup. So some good times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I went there and um, at the Bohemians. <laughs> I went there, signed two years there with Paul Dillon, and again, unbelievable setup. Yeah, uh, very professional. You know, we we trained at Mosny. Pitches were like carpets. Uh, yeah, training gear was put out for you. It was it was unbelievable. It was. It was top class. It was it was it was a great setup, uh, and, and totally geared for success. And in Paul Dillon, yeah, you had a very astute coach. It was uh, brilliant. You know what I mean? And uh, you know, I've played under a lot of managers in the league, but in Paul, you, you know, you definitely pick up things up. You know what I mean? He was very very good, and you know that, you know, he, he proved it with the squad he built and the sex success that he had. Um, and it was great to be part of that that league winning team. Although I didn't uh, particularly play many games, uh, more used as a impact sub, <laughs> but um, it was great to be part of it and great to, to pick up the league medal. Um, again, great great group of players. I mean, you're 26 full time professionals at Rada at the time, and you know there was 10 lads sitting in the stand every week. You know, you it was you're blessed if you could even get onto the bench you never mind the starting 11 like you know um so uh, yeah to, to pick up the little bit of success there was great um unfortunately I, I went there and after three or four games I done a bad injury to me to me knee and kept me out for a for a long time um but um the following year we we won the league and we won the Satanta Cup again that was a, a brilliant uh Brilliant occasion, brilliant moment. Um, going back to Windsor Park, you know, just always seemed to have the Midas touch there. They always do well at Windsor. And we was lucky enough to score in the final, uh, which took it to penalties. And uh, we won it on penalties. Yeah, it was a great day. Brilliant. And you finish up your career at uh, Glenavon, where it had all begun. Um, yeah. Linked up with Trevor Malloy as well, your former teammate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Jesus. Linked up with Trevor, many like I was with him at Stella Maris as a schoolboy. Then I played with Matt Rovers, and again then at Glenavon. Um, after Drada, yeah, I signed for Glenavon for two seasons. Uh, ended up staying for three. Went up there, you know. As I said, I loved me first four seasons at Glenavon, and the club of huge uh, affinity with, and you know, get on great with everyone there and the supporters have always you know treated me really well and they came in for me uh, towards the end of my uh, contract at Drada and you know I felt um, yeah at the time was right to, to make that move back to part time so um, I went back up there in uh, three years um, didn't do a whole lot we were always a bottom bottom team bottom struggled you know, we we never really hit the heights we probably should have done with the players that we had. Um, but um, it was enjoyable. Like, oh, don't get me wrong, it was great to go back and great to be part of the club again. And uh, you know, with three seasons there, like done reasonably okay. Um, but sort of coming towards the end of my career, you know, it definitely wasn't the same Tony Grant that was there the first time round. You know, but look, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it and you know it was great um with Trevor there and we had a fellow Adrian Harper from Balbriggan 
and Willow McDonough, who would have played with Shamrock Rovers as well, um, and a fellow called Noel Hudson from Swords. So there was, a, you know, five of us travelling up every week and we, we had the crack and the banter and good laugh. And there was a great group of lads up there as well, you know, in the Glenavon side from the north. And we really enjoyed it, you know what I mean? It was great being back there. and But um, just the intensity wasn't the same, you know, where you're coming from Drada, full-time setup, you know, the, the, the levels of fitness and uh, organisation and the professionalism just wasn't there, you know what I mean? Um, but, like, Glenavon have improved since and they've done really well over the last couple of years under Gary Hamilton, you know, winning a couple of trophies and qualifying for Europe and they're a top six team now and he's done he's done great things at the club. So looking at your career, uh, both north and south, who's the best player you've played with and against? Um, best player I played with would be hands down Glenn Ferguson, um, who, who was you know huge for me. You know, coming into Glenavon at the time, um, I, 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 Glenn was a centre forward at the time. I didn't know much about Glenn, but um, I soon found out. What a, what a player and what a man he was. He, he was just a beast of a centre-forward. He, he had everything. Head and ability, uh, left foot, right foot. He, he, he scored all sorts of goals. Um, he just had everything, you know. He, he was playing, you know, he could have played at the very top. Like he, could, he could have played at another level. He was he was that good, like, um, and I'm sure a lot of people would agree with me, you know. Um, and look, I played with, Decent centre forwards. I played with Glenn Crow at, at Bohemians and uh, Shawnee Francis was very good. Um, you know, Fabio Atrada, you know, Guy Bates, Eamon Zayed, Glenn Fitzpatrick, you know, good good players. Trevor Malloy, great player. But Glenn just, you know, had, had everything, you know, for me uh, personally. He, he, he was sensational centre forward. Brilliant, and I was lucky enough to play a season and a half with Glenn, and you know I learned so much from him. You know, and against uh, player I played best player I played against. Mm-hmm. That's a mad one. Uh, it's it's a, it's a tough one to call. Um, there's been so many, you know, over the years. There's been brilliant players, uh, but um. Paddy McCart was something special, you know, on his day, uh, he, he just glided past players, you know, he was sensational. I mean, Rovers were lucky enough to have him for for for, uh, for a while, um, but he, he, he was brilliant, you know. I think George O'Callaghan had, 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 was was very good at Cork City as well. He, he went, went through a spell a season or two where he was, he was brilliant. Um, Wes Hewlin at Shells was fantastic. Great player, but um, probably Paddy McCart for just he, he he had it all, like you know, he was brilliant. Is there a league of Ireland center half who you had a lot of duels with? Ah, yeah, well, loads, loads of duels with the center halves. Um, but the best center half that I come up against would probably be Colly Hawkins, I'd say. Uh, he, he was he, he was a beast. He was a, he was a brilliant reader of the game, um, great great header of the ball, great defender, could play as well. Like you know, for a big lad, 
Hawks could play, like you know, he was very, very good. Um, but we come up against a lot of good centre halves in my time, like um Pat Scully was very good. Um Dave Rogers was very good. Um Terry Parma was a very good centre half as well. Terry was excellent. Um, but like from Jason McGuinness, another good centre half, good young centre half, Ken O'Man, another they were they were two young centre halves when I was probably coming towards the end. They were they were very, very good. Um, but then you I was lucky enough to play with Jason, Gavin and Brian uh Graham Gartland. You know, they were just incredible that for that season that we won the league. The two, them two boys were were outstanding. Um, but probably Colin Hawkins, you know, would have had a lot of battles with Colin, and you know, he he was very hard man to get the better off. That's it, Tony. Thanks so much for giving me so much of your time today. Really enjoyed that. No, no problem, Carl. No problem. Yeah, so Prof, I think if we're doing a board count on this, wages comes up quite a bit. Yeah, he talks about wages quite a bit. And as yeah, you said, you said he did. He did seem to contradict himself a bit when he said that initially he said he regretted the move, and then he said he didn't. So I wasn't wasn't sure what to make of that. Yeah. Now we'll let the fans make their mind up. That's what we want feedback on this. Everybody, let us know what you think of this interview because it was interesting. We want to hear what you have to say. So like I, said, um, I, think, I think a lot of fans would have made up their mind before he, he even opens his mouth, which is fair enough. I mean. To make that move at that time, but he gives his reasons whether or not whether or not you believe them or not. That's that's up to yourself uh, as you as you're listening. But well, there you go. That was Tony Grant. Like I says, I don't oh. think he's. I've not heard him interviewed before. And no, he's about, been an elusive character already. Talk about his reasons. So at least we got it on record. Uh, so prop next up, we have starting elevens and predictions. <laughs> Right, I know this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna handball this one. Top of my head, right? I'm gonna go Manus. I'm gonna go Qatar. Already Qatar. Left. He's over his sickness, back. is he? Yeah, left centre backs with Grace and uh, Gannon. So that's your three at the back. You're gonna go left wing back. You're going Farouk because I think he looks shit hot lately. Really enjoying watching him. Come on, right wing back Finner. Hopefully he's not the butt of all jokes again and he's recovered, and he can go out there and have the crack on the pitch. Um, in the middle oh is it a game for Richie Tell is it a game for Richie Tell I don't know um, I'm going to put Gary O'Neill in the middle anyway Gary O'Neill I'm going to play Richie Gary O'Neill Richie um, can we accept that Dylan Watts is literally undroppable now yeah 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 definitely Watts Mandrew and Greener I'm going to play Greener up top because it's a derby and there's no fans and we need to have that little bit of bite I think green or up top is is the way to go for me. Yeah, when it comes to the derby, Greener is one of my first names in the team sheet. Yeah, I think so. It makes a difference, especially with no fans. Obviously, Manus comes back into the team. This must be the first time we've done a starting eleven predictions in three years where we have to state Manus in goal. Manus yeah, back yeah. in the in the team. <laughs> back in after being dropped. Um, yeah, no, so, I like so your the- I like your back three there. Um, Cotter, Cotter is a great percent of half I mean, that's where we first saw him up in Harps he was brilliant so he's well able to play there yeah Mr. so I'm not putting Hoare in I'm not putting Hoare in I'm putting 
O'Neill and Tell in the middle. And I'm having Watru. 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 That's like a, a hybrid player. <laughs> the two of them blended together. Uh, Ma- Mandrew, Watts, Gaff. I'm going to go 2-0. I'd about to come on and score. Uh, Richie Tell. Well, I'm going to say... Uh... And then a guard of honour after the game like we got the last time, remember? Card of honor. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna say uh, a thriller, three-two win. <laughs> I'm gonna say Gary O'Neill to nick the winner. Oh yes. So yeah, Danny Mount Parker. Uh, money gone. Uh, sold out, prof. Sold out. Sold question out. posed to me by Ryan the Grill. He asked, "When's the last time Rovers played Bows? Haven't already been crowned champions that season." Oh, that was a great question. I, I, great I, show. I've discovered the answer. It's 1959. Whoa, we'd won the oh, game. Wow. We, we'd won the league with two games to spare, and then we went to Daly Mount and drew nil nil. So, yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't call this a Where dead rubber now because they they're going for for Europe, and it'd be good to stop them. Yeah, good to stop. No, them, I remember them thinking in Europe. I remember thinking that we could have possibly had to go out here and win here to win the league. Do you remember we were talking about the run-in at the end of the season, what we always do at the start of the season, is talk about the run-in at the end of the season. We could have possibly had to win this one to win the league, but unfortunately we don't, and we can go out here and take the piss. But, um, yeah, that's it. That's the predictions. That's our, our lineups. But Daily Mount Prof, fireworks on Halloween were talked about on Joe Duffy. People called in going mad. I didn't even know they had a fireworks display, did they? I didn't uh, know about this at all. Just some lads talking about it at the Waterford game. Were they sourced from um, Russian fireworks, ethnic Russian firework factories? They're all picked <laughs> by pygmies in new. <laughs> I don't know. I don't even know anymore. That where they sell the repeaters. Somebody text. I, I was. Uh, somebody texted me the other day, and they were slagging bows, and they were like, "Listen, at the end of the day, rovers make history. Bows make honey." <laughs> Cracker. <laughs> Trophies, um, not, yes. trophies, not bees. That's another one I heard. Trophies, not bees. Bees? <laughs> yeah, so Danny said this after receiving his prayer about the award. There should be away fans at every game, no matter how chaotic it is. It's Dublin Derby and there should be away fans. We'd like to have our own fans there on Friday, singing along, but we're not sure we're going to have any, any away fans, but I am sure the Bowls fans will make it a good atmosphere. There should be a way to get fans to every game. It needs to be fixed and no better man to talk about. Yeah, definitely should. Totally agree with you, Danny. I think he just wants to get Charlene in, that's all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the return of Danny to Danny Mount. But uh, he also said that he uh, he was set a target of 15 goals and he's only one off it. Oh, if, what that, if that's a big target, target for a, a midfielder at the start of the season, 15 goals. Yeah. He's, he's nearly and he's got a couple of assists as well. He's working hard and you can that, see why. It's def- he definitely is a, a show for play of the year, but like we said, well, time will tell. He said that his overall play has been good, but he expected more of himself, which led to a brilliant observation by Ozzy Nay. Even Danny himself doesn't think he should be player of the year. Yeah, there you go. There you go. So like I said, the return of Danny to Daddy Mungar, where he'll undoubtedly get a, another reception. And we mentioned this a while ago that Graham Burke was on the Talking Bollocks podcast. And um, he had this story about Luke Byrne, after he had just left Daily Mount to come to Tata in 2017. So uh, it's a little clip about, about that. So uh, here it is. 
And then I actually end up getting in to the squad. But we had bowls then before. So I had to play uh, the bowls game and then I went off with, with Ireland. Like, you know Marcus what I mean? It's, what's I was the bowls from Rovers game like? Ah, brilliant. Nuts. Like, you know, nuts, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, have you you've been to any? No, never. No. So, Never. like, if you get a chance to go to one, you should go to one. Yeah, like, I know. I've said it before on this podcast. I feel like it's just too late to just jump on board. Yeah, on board. Under, under the balls of now with Georgie Kelly for life. Do you know? Yeah. Like, so yeah. I just feel like I'm too late to the party. Nah, I love it. Such a, like, rivalry. Like, you know what I mean? Two sets of fans hate each yeah. other. Ah, you guess. Dogs abuse, like, yeah. you know, that way, like, and... I say it together more than most people, like, you know, that way, but... What did he say, self-inflicted from himself. What did he like, say? You know Come on, I mean? give, us a, give us a hint. Ah, like, now since I've come back, like, just a reject and all. Yeah, like, yeah. Brutal, <laughs> yeah. like, everything <laughs> like that, you know, that's sort of just the normal stuff that uh, you'd hear, but, you know what I mean? The first time I played, when I came back from Preston, it was in Palais. I end up scoring the game and everything like that, but anytime it's over that side, it's just a shit pressed and rejected. <laughs> 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 Thousand of them singing it and all that, but you just had to smile. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a great bit of band yeah. Yeah. It's all part and parcel of, of the things like the Bowls fans, get, oh, the Bowls players get it from the Rovers. Yeah, fans. no, it's the same. We've like, said you know it a lot of times. I think it's the whole point of the football ground, the whole reason why you have a home stadium and away yeah, stadiums yeah. you're supposed to make a hostile yeah, people but I don't want to go and play out there I want to play in my own patch yeah, yeah. Yeah, so imagine that look imagine you know, taking a 30 yard striking thing going out with Tom Wonder playing balls fans going oh well done yeah well, I was only saying it to Luke a couple of weeks ago or something like that we were playing balls in uh, Tally and uh first game of the season I think it was and uh, he's throwing the ball to me like you know what I mean I'm somebody behind me holding her off and all, but it was right in front of the Jody signs you know like the end of the Jody signs where most of them are like you yeah. know and uh, that and everything like that and he's saying to me you stop just get the ball out to the side will you just get the ball yeah. out to the side and I'm messing around where I goes out for another throw and he goes picks up the ball and I just say this boom full pack of soft mints or something like that kind of whistle past his head and he said to me will you stop stop like, stop get the ball out here I mean so I had to get the ball no, out gas like, you know something like that don't be if you use some of bad language like a thing like you know the two of us have that because we're good friends like you know yeah. what I mean yeah. that thing when we say it's like no you and in front of the Jody like you're trying to play in ball nah they're brilliant if you ever get the chance to go to one go to yeah, one yeah, yeah I'd love that but definitely. obviously there is a fine line that I think some people they will take it a bit too seriously you know so yeah. then the oil and call up yeah 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 but and then yeah so uh, Lukey Lukey was a big sign when he came to us at first Lukey was a big one and I still remember the first thing he did out at the Jody in his debut out there he clattered someone in front of, in front of the Jody so Lukey wasn't afraid of a battle Actually, I remember his first um, Robbers Balls game when he signed. I think he was probably our best player in the pitch that night. Yeah, he was. Yeah, definitely. That was in Daily Mountain, all right? Yeah. He absolutely clattered someone in front of the Jolly. So that's one way to do it. Lukey Board, good lad, great friend of the show as well. Um, yeah, so a tweet from Damien Hanrahan, a Warford fan on Twitter. This is actually a few weeks ago after the fighting in the Jolly during the Balls Warford game. He asked, are we just going to brush the thuggery of a minority of Bowls fans and a lack of stewarding and policing and daily man last night under the carpet? If it was Shamrock Rovers fans, you would be all over it. Whoa! Damien. Damien, Damien, Damien. He tweeted, that at, R- he tweeted that at RTE and the league and FEI, you know. 
So wow. thought that was great and coming you, from. And you know the thing is as well. Fan. I wonder. I wonder who's going to be Stewart in this game. I wonder if Bowles are going to have the same Stewarts as they had the last time that we played them in the cup. Could be a little bit of a different story this time around, Prof. Hey, uh, we'll just we're... leave it at that. We won't think we're not going to get uh, spit on this time, no? No, we won't say too much. We won't say too much about it. I presume you watched, uh, be... watched all 16 minutes of Danny and Charlene talking <laughs> about their relationship there because that was hooked that content to my veins, I tell you. Oh, yeah? We really <laughs> into it? <laughs> uh, I, I don't I think I have time to watch that now. I listened as far as the football, which was the first 60 seconds, and then I stopped. <laughs> Well, yeah, you're going to be a happy man now, Prof, with the United Union Cup semi-final. Is it going to happen? Uh, there was talk about playing Pats on the, on the Monday, but I think it would have been announced at this stage if, if we were playing them on the Monday, so that's not going to happen. But it's supposed to be Pats in the semi-final, isn't it? Because that's exactly what we need from an All-Ireland competition, playing Pats for the fifth and sixth time <laughs> in the season. <laughs> but, uh, yeah... In terms of Pats, like the, the gap that we can open up at the end, I've talked in the last couple of weeks about what the record is. Glenn Cronin actually was interested in the in the record gap. Like you've seen this before, like these sort of stats can motivate the, the management team and the yeah, yeah and the players. And past last two games, they're the home to Harps and they've Waterford away. So the two teams kind of trying to avoid that relegation spot. So it won't be easy. No. And it's 15 now, so Gap could widen. Depends what happens in Daily Mount, obviously. Yeah, it'd be interesting. But, um, think really went quiet, didn't they? On the on the Bowes tickets front. We knew what was happening though. Any anyone who thinks they're getting into that game is a head case. I know, but like there's even disputes over is there actually a rule about five percent? Yeah, but no, what I heard I heard that they were happily to t- they were gonna take the 3.5k fine. You get a fine if you don't give the mandatory. And they were going to say, yeah, well, so what? Find us. No, no, we're obviously getting in. What I'm thinking is that we, I don't know if we we challenged it or not, but I feel like, I think feel like we're just saying that this is it now. Let Bowles mm. have their little revenge. Next season, things return to normal because even the, the Longford and Waterford games, just the way they released the, the allocation and blocks, like even that was kind of annoying at this stage. And we're back to yeah, full capacity. Yeah, yeah. It'll so. be back. We said this already. It'll be back to normal next season. It'll be all go. It'll be all go how. Like those clubs aren't going to sell out their their own ground. So what's the point in like limiting away fans' tickets? Because it's just petty. That's why it's just petty bullshit. Yeah, like we say, hopefully next season, all this bullshit is over with. All these petty squabbles are finished, mm. and uh, yeah, back to normal. Right, so that's it for this week, Puff. We are done. It is Tifties. It's been a fantastic season. We've a couple of episodes left, and there's maybe something in the off season. But that's it. We're gonna leave it at that, Prof. We will see you hopefully somewhere along the line. And uh that is it for mostly this season. So keep on hooping. See you.
said, ain't no love in the heart of the city. 